Hi, I'm Hanako Greensmith. I play Violet Mikami, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shinehards, welcome to episode 268 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're, we're back in the vault for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like we're getting out of the vault anytime no, soon. No, we are trapped in the vault. There's no combination to the vault, there's no fail safe method. We're in it. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So in keeping with us going back to the very beginning, it's episodes 103 this week. Of Well, for this part of the week, you're going to hear from us twice this week. So lucky you. But yes, episodes three, Med 103, Fire 103, PD 103. Back in the vault, man. It's weird. It really is. And rewatching these episodes just makes me miss them so much more. Yeah, it makes me miss obviously the people who aren't around either. But then I like it's really been fun to like go back and be like, oh man, these people have come a long way because like, uh, right? <laughs> they're not that great right now. Some of them aren't. Some of them are not, and I know exactly who you're referring to, Will Halstead. Oh, that wasn't who I was referring to. Oh God, really? Because he was. I oh. mean, he's also up there, but that was not specifically who I was referring to. Otis was pretty bad in this one. That's who I was referring to. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Otis was pretty bad. I was like, "Who are you?" Yeah. Yeah. It's but funny. anyway, we'll get there. So, as we're going to be starting all of these episodes, yeah, we're starting with the news, but really, it's going to be we're going to start all of these with a strike update because we're desperate. We miss them. We want these to end and for everything. And we really won't have much other news except for strike updates. Pretty much. If we're lucky, we may get some other news. Pretty much. I miss them. I miss them too. Also, whatever you do, don't think about the fact that like at this point in September, we'd typically be like setting up interviews and awaiting screeners and we'd probably be doing our wish list episode. We probably would. I think yeah, our wish list. We'd episode. be getting them back. Honestly, we'd be getting them back if not next week, the week after. Yep. Like the, it's usually like the twenty second, twenty third, somewhere in that range. We can pretty much tuck our wish list episode into this episode and say our only wish is for the to have writer them back. Yeah, fair deal, and for them to come back, and for nobody else to leave because we just can't yeah. handle it. Can't. Ugh. Okay, so here's your fair deal first, then to have for them to come back. So yes, amen to that. Just like buy a banner and fly it on a helicopter over the AMPTP office. Okay, here's your strike update. It's not good. It's the same as it was last week. So on Monday, which was Labor Day, uh, Duncan Crabtree Ireland wrote a piece for Variety. Uh, If you forgot who Duncan Crabtree Ireland is, he is the National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator for SAG-AFTRA. Yep. So the most notable quote here is this little excerpt. He says, when our contract expired July 12th, we told representatives for the AMPTP that we were willing to continue negotiating. The response was a hard no. The AMPTP went even further and told us it would be, quote, quite some time before they would be ready to talk with us again. And it has indeed been quite some time. More than 52 days later, we are still ready and willing to negotiate a fair deal, but we have not heard a word from the AMPTP. What do they think they're accomplishing here? 
it's great if you have your writers, but if you don't have your actors, what are you going to do? Right. But they don't even have the writers. No. You have directors. But without anything to write, you know, without writers and actors, they have nothing to direct. So I don't get it. They going to put their directors through acting school? Uh, apparently. And I think eventually, like, right now, they're like, oh, well, we can get by with, like, reality TV and reality TV is going to save us all. But, like, even then, I honestly hadn't even thought about the fact that, like, I have a feeling Dance with Stars is going to be really affected because actors aren't going to want to go on a show, which they still can. It's not saying that they can't, but they're not going to want to go on a show, Purdue, you know, with ABC and Disney when they're fighting against Disney. Someday, I did not even think about that. I didn't even think about it until I was talking with our, our friend Ashley, the original Ashley, um, <laughs> the other day, and... She pointed out to me and I was like, holy shit, it's probably going to be, so it's probably going to be a lot of reality people, a lot of music people, sports, you know, but like probably less actors. Yeah. I mean, and they can. So if they want to, it's not like they're technically breaking any, you know, um, rules. But like but... In, their, in their packages that air before they dance, like they can't say like, you probably know me from blah, blah, blah. They can't say that. It's just like, I'm an actor. Pretty much. But they're like you said, yeah, so Disney feeling, is one of the things they're fighting. I have a yeah. And so it's like, are people really gonna want to? Like some people might, and like I said, it's not against the rules for them to do it, but it's gonna probably be less actors than normal, which is gonna be weird. Yeah, I did not even think about that. I it hadn't honestly crossed my mind either until the other day, and I was like, fuck. But also that's so naive of them to be like, we can get by on reality. Hello, hi, nobody wants that. Well, but eventually, like, yeah, like, right now they can, but, like, if this keeps going, like, even then, like, they can only get by on so much reality. Right. Like, reality is just, like, it's great in the meantime, and, like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Dancing with Stars coming back, because, like, I need it. And, like, I will probably watch The Golden Bachelor, but, like, that's not all I want. No. And, like, yeah, that's fine for right now, but, like, that's not going to keep me satisfied. Not at all is crazy yeah and just every single update that comes out the fact that it's still going and the fact that the amptp has not even budged and they're just like nope we're holding out like they're... why you're literally losing so much more money than if you would just give them what they wanted originally exactly exactly i think i saw a tweet this week that like warner brothers is losing like 10 billion in profits or something it was like 5 billion 10 billion they're losing that much by holding out on the strike Right, instead of making that much. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, there was also a tweet that came down. There was an update on the WGA front. And basically, it just kind of sums up how completely broken the AMPTP is. So I got this tweet off of a writer. It's in our outline. I can share the link with you to the update. But basically, it's talking about how people within the AMPTP know that they need to make a deal but for yeah. some reason like the the AMPTP as a whole is just holding out well I mean, but I feel like that's how all these things always go right like it's maybe like two or three people that are really stopping the actual deal from happening mm -hmm. but yet like a lot of people are otherwise like fine I'm cool with it like you know I feel like that's how that's the vibe I feel like I've always gotten from this whole thing yeah um but, or eventually, especially as it's gone on, maybe not in the beginning, but, like, now I'm like, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. 
because I feel like that's how normally when like companies are at a standoff, it's usually like two people making everything fall apart and everyone else is like, why can't we move this on? Like, I don't understand. So ridiculous. There, there was talk this week about, and, and just like chatter, nothing official, but this chatter about how the, the way to move this forward might be for individual studios to strike their own deals. And at this point, yeah. I'm for it. I'm Oh, like, I'm totally, if like, I don't know which studios are wanting to do that. And so I don't want to like speak out of turn. But if you, if Netflix said, you know what, we're going to make a deal with the WGA and SAG, I will gladly, gladly watch and gladly support that. Oh, that's at least some like I mean, I will take three people getting to work over zero people getting to work. So like the more people that can work because of individual deals being made, then like all for it. Do whatever yeah. they gotta do. Yeah, I'm at this point I'm all for it. I yeah. And I will support whatever, I will watch whatever, like same. Cause I was even thinking about this too. Like it just kind of hit me. I don't know who is what studio is behind hallmark but we're not gonna get hallmark christmas movies at this rate right i had that lifetime a couple weeks ago i don't think so because they usually film during the summer right or like fall like they're usually filming like now some of them go kind of late but there's a fall movie that just debuted on hallmark on saturday and even in the promo for that hallmark made sure to put in parentheses like movie was filmed pre-strike yeah but this says, it says it's like Hallmark Media. That's all I keep finding. I don't think we're getting Hallmark movies this year. But then somebody, Sarah, our bitch and Sarah was telling me that When Calls the Heart got a um, exemption. That doesn't they were that allowed in, to keep filming. That film's in Canada, though, doesn't it? Right, but if it airs on an American like, if it's idea. still produced by an American studio, like, how does that work? Yeah, I know. Yeah, this just keeps telling me it's, like, Hallmark Media. Hallmark Channel is an American cable television network owned by Hallmark Media, subsidiary of Hallmark Cards. So, we just, I don't we know. Just gotta, we gotta ask Emily. So yeah, I just, I would be curious, but I, it kind of hit me the other day. I was like... We may not even get that. I thought that may be like our saving grace, and it's not. I just, every day this strike goes on just blows my mind. And like, what are these actors supposed to do for the next year? Because let's be real, at this point, it, it really doesn't look like things are coming back until fall twenty four. No, what? and like the thing is, is like there's definitely I feel like there's like tears to like actors who are okay, who, like how they can survive the strike. Like obviously, there is a big majority at the baseline who are going to be really struggling because. You know, they just, they, they can't even make enough to qualify for healthcare every year, let alone, like, be able to survive. Same thing with the writers. So mm-hmm. I feel like this goes for both. Then there's, like, a mid-tier who's had, like, consistent work enough. Maybe they've been, like, a series regular on a TV show or, like, a main writer on a show. And, like, they're not, like, making, like, a ton of money, but, like, enough to, like, comfortably survive for, like, a little bit. But not for ter- not for forever, but, like, comfortably survive for, like, a little bit. And then I feel like there's, like, the 1% of the 1% who, like, it won't matter. They could not work for the next, like, 20 years and still be fine. Yeah. But, like, that's, like, a very few. And so I feel like eventually everyone, you know, a majority of people are going to have to work, do something. Like, there's not many of them that can survive a year. 
There's really I not. mean, these last 50 something days, I can't remember how many it's been for the WGA over 100, though. Um, but like they can't even, you know, they're not going to be able to survive for that much longer. No, there's a, I follow a writer on Twitter who's gone, she's gone back to do substitute teaching temporarily. Yeah, that's crazy. Not what they want to be doing. No, they want to be doing what they love, which is writing, acting, whatever, but they can't even do that. I know Brian Greenberg tweeted the other day. I saw one of his tweets and all it just said was like, God, I miss acting. And like so many of them probably feel that way. Just, yeah. Just let them work. Pay them fairly. Because like that mid-tier, like you were talking about. Well, and I I feel like, I mean, maybe. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just to say that. No, mid- go ahead. That mid-tier of actors that you were talking about, like, as we've learned, actors don't really make anything from royalties. So what are they living off of right now? Like, where are they generating yeah, income? But I... Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, I feel like if you've been on like a consent, like, I honestly kind of feel that way about our people. Like, I feel like none of them, like, they're all comfortable, right? Like, they've been on these shows, especially if they've been there forever. They've been on these shows for a long time. So like, I'm sure they're not, you know, not doing terribly. But like, I don't think they could survive a two year strike. Like, maybe I'm dumb. And I don't know. But like, I don't feel like they could survive not working ever again. Like, I mean, the people who can never work again are like, you know, the Jennifer Anistons, like, you know, the people who've made bajillions and bajillions of dollars, like, they're fine. Yeah. But that's not everybody. No. I don't know why she's the first person that came to my mind, but you know what I mean? No, but I get it, though. Like, you're movie star people. Like, I don't think any of our people are at that level. No. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. And, like, I'm not saying that they have to work tomorrow, because I don't think any of them are in a position where they have to work tomorrow. But, like, I don't think they could survive. Like, if you told me the strike was going on for another two to three years, like, like, I don't think maybe a lot of them could survive that. And, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know any of their financial levels, but, yeah, Put yourself in their shoes, too. A lot of these, a lot of these writers and actors have families to support and so yeah you're supporting a family and you don't know when your next inflow of money is going to be right you went from and probably in a lot of cases you went from a two income family to a one income family or if you're a single parent you know if you're a single parent you went from one income and probably barely making it if I had to guess to like now you have no income um yeah I just I can't even imagine it it's mind-blowing and i hope for their sakes way more than our sakes like i hope it gets resolved sooner rather than later like yeah i miss it and but like we're so secondary at this point like so far off like we don't matter it's i hope for these people's livelihoods like i hope that they can strike a deal yeah thousand percent thousand percent so yeah that's the strike update pretty bleak yeah So we have one other bit of news, which is like kind of like normal news, but not quite. Kind of? Maybe? (laughs) Kind of? Maybe? (laughs) Take it away, Bryna. Yeah. So Expats, which is the show that Brian T. left. I'm trying to remember where we're at in season or med seasons. When he was gone for most of season seven. 
so not last season, the season before that, um, he was it was what they were filming in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so that show, they basically just dropped the first look photos because it's getting ready to premiere at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and they're hoping that it'll drop. It's an Amazon show and it's going to hopefully drop early 2024, which will be nice because I feel like we're going to not have the shows back. So like at least we can maybe we'll do recaps of those episodes. <laughs> we might not have a choice. <laughs> yeah, we may be doing recaps of those. Uh, but basically the little kind of synopsis we get from the articles just says, Set against the vibrant and tumultuous tapestry of 2014 Hong Kong, expat centers on three American women, Margaret, who is played by Nicole Kidman, um, Hillary, and Mercy, whose lives intersect after a sudden family tragedy. The series inter- interrogates privilege and explores what happens when the line between victimhood and culpability becomes blurred. And Brian T., which I don't think I said that, but Brian T. plays Nicole Kidman's husband. So... You this could just seen him in the... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, this is based on a book, and you're a big bookworm. Have you read it? No. I may read it before, now that I... I, I think I kind of knew that it was based on a book, but, like, I don't really read that much in that genre, so, like, it kind of went over my head. Uh, but what I was going to say is it's kind of wild to see, like, Brian T in the picture with, like, Nicole Kidman. I was like, whoa, this is big time. Damn, I know. I'm excited for it though. It sounds really good. I'm excited. I saw a comment to this tweet that somebody said like the book was absolutely heartbreaking. So oh, I, God. I say I would check it out. I probably won't because I don't read. Let's just call it. You don't read. read. I really don't. I've, I, I, I've tried. It's just not my thing. It's just not. Uh, but yeah, I've heard the book is really good. And I feel like this, this description is like just vague enough that it doesn't give anything away, but you're still kind of like, intrigued so yeah i will be checking that out that looks good i just for you i just was googling trying to find which book it was and this is something from a i guess a chinese website from last year but it basically says based on the book the new tv show takes a non-linear approach to storytelling so audiences can watch and experience the characters journeys from any of the six episodes cool so don't really we'll we'll find out i heard the first episode is like an hour and a half long and it just kind of like sets everything up because it it, like you said it premiered at uh the toronto film festival has it already premiered or it's going to premiere it 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 premiered in the window between putting that in the outline and when we're recording now gotcha yeah (laughs) gotcha so yeah okay that was a little bit of normal news that felt nice I know. I'm like, okay. And I mean, I guess I just saw your the picture that you posted on our Twitter. So I guess Marina, Tori, and Yaga are at New York Fashion Week. Yes, and absolutely slaying, might I say. Well, and it just like seeing that picture, I was like, just like a tiny bit of normalcy. I was like, oh, they're all hanging out. Okay, cool. Like, I was like, uh, yeah. 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 I love that. And I love that you usually see Marina, like, hanging out with the people who have left. Like, she still hangs out with Nick, Tori, Yaya, like, all those people. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah, that. very cool. Bless, But then she Marina. was hanging out with Patty the other day, right? She was hanging out with Patty. She and Patty and Reem went to, like, a Reem. concert. So, yeah. yes. Bless Marina for keeping us updated on our faves over the longest hiatus that has ever happened. Yeah, we thought COVID was going to be bad. No, COVID was just prepping us. <laughs> yeah we're gonna end up probably with like covid times two 
I'm telling you, we're going to get through more than just a full season of these shows, like of the early seasons. We're going to get through more. Oh, yeah. We're going to make it through season one. We're going to have to figure out what happens when, like, they don't all match up. Because Fire is also, like, 24 episodes in season one. But, yeah, like, and we'll then, like, Ned is only 16 or something like that. It, well, and yeah, and Petey was, a mid- Petey was a mid-season. I think that one's only, like, 14. Yeah. So, we'll figure it out. But we are definitely going to make it through. Maybe we'll just have some weeks where we just cover fire until season two. Yeah, because I kind of like the idea of them all lining up. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's so. good. Okay. So, no patron shout outs because, I mean, really, there's just nothing happening right now. Just, yeah. If you would like to join our patron group, we would love to have you. Just check the link in our socials. Um, we have so much fun with the patron group. I um, I joined the Flashpoint Live Watch this week because we've got, there's a group of us in the patron group that are watching my Canadian cop show from the beginning um so we need to get back to that what i need to get back to watching that i never finished after we went through the episode on that we did for a patron oh patron that show it's so good yeah so uh met up with them we're about to start a west wing uh, rewatch or do yeah a couple episodes yeah yeah which like i will be front row for that because well and it was so cool to see even this week our patrons some of our patrons like um stephanie from australia came to the u.s and met up with christine and they went to chicago and met up with allison like it's just really cool to like see all the friendships and like it's just it's really cool it's so cool so cool so yeah if you would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month please check the link in our socials we would love to have you and let us know if you have any questions because we're happy to answer them so yeah Alrighty, shall we do this let's do it all right episodes 103 now remember these all these didn't all happen at the same time so we've got like different air dates spread up spread out but chicago med 103 this is called fallback this one aired originally on december 1st 2015 so this episode is almost eight years old that is crazy wild yeah also wild so this episode was written by simron badwain i might have said that wrong uh did write for Med for a little bit, but then went on to be one of the executive producers and main writers on Manifest. I did not know that. I did not either. Shout out to our patron Manny for uh, bringing that to <laughs> our attention. Very cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Let's start off with Connor. So if oh, you're trying Connor. to remember which one this is, this is the one where the chandelier just falls and like all chaos breaks loose. <laughs> Pretty much it. Kind of. So we start at a little store called Dolan Roads. I think this is their version of like Neiman Marcus or, you know, it's like fancy ass department store. This is basically what that is. So there is a giant glass chandelier being installed. And this thing, I'm just going to say it. This thing is kind of hideous. Oh, it's so ugly. I would never, never. No. Not only is it kind of hideous and huge, it's also completely made out of glass yeah so giant glass hanging in the air on a medical show nothing can go wrong right yeah nothing 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 at all nope so we're literally a minute into this episode like it happens immediately uh the chandelier falls on the poor guy standing below it so he's obviously having a horrible no good very bad day because he (laughs) gets impaled he gets impaled And believe it or not, that's not the only impalement that happens amongst these three episodes. No. 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 Normal things. One Chicago things. Yeah. So 
early on in the episode, we get a Severide, Severide sighting. Not just Severide, Chout. Did you see Chout? I did see Chout. Was it Brett there too? You know, I saw her in the credits. Like, I saw her name in the credits, but I didn't see her unless she was I in that scene. She's I, in that, I think she's in that scene with Chout. I think it's her and Chout, which is like, what a pairing. Yeah, what a pairing indeed. Oh, goodness. Um, I had to go back and look at that because I, I just straight up did not see her. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. cool. So they get in there. The chandelier's on top of the guy, whatever. Turns out Connor knows him. And he knows the woman who came in with him. Uh, so yeah she like speaks up at a certain point and he turns his head and he's like claire and so maggie talks to her kind of pieces things together she's like so dr rhodes and she goes yeah that's my brother it's connor's sister y'all i literally blocked that entire that this whole thing out of my head because i did not remember he had a sister at all i remembered it but i also could not remember a time when we saw her again i feel like this is the only time we ever saw her i went back and looked this up because i thought that too she's in like two or three more episodes in season one but basically after season one you never hear about her again she never shows back up but it's like season one so like it's like i can't remember if it was two or three you do see her apparently a couple more times okay but yeah literally block this out because obviously i don't go back and watch season one so like i just block this out and i don't even remember them ever mentioning her again no, like not even when Cornelius when Cornelius comes back, they don't even mention her. No, when he dies, it's like, oh, I should let my sister know. Like, nope, nope, nothing like that. Nothing, nope, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So Connor's like, okay, well, let's get the trauma resident, all that stuff. Shout out to Chicago Med for being ahead of the game with a female head of trauma. Shout out. Yeah, but then she didn't last that long. She really didn't, and I didn't piece together that she was the trauma attending. Yeah. Probably until today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she leaves very quickly. Because they placed the emphasis after after this episode, they put the emphasis on her and Connor. Yeah, I know. You know. So stupid. Yeah, pretty stupid. Pretty stupid. I feel like in this episode, Connor gets a bad rep. Like, he gets really unfairly <laughs> judged throughout the remainder of this episode because of who his family is. And and then on the flip side, he also gets judged by his family. Oh, so bad. They have all this. So it's like he can't really win because he's getting judged by the hospital staff or thinking he's like some rich ass snob. And then his family's like, I don't know if I trust you to be a doctor and you left us and we'll get into all that. But like, it's crazy. Yeah. And so there are a lot of moments sprinkled throughout this episode where you just see like Connor's just a good dude. He does not. He does not deserve all the crap he's getting. Especially not at this point. I think once he obviously goes later on in his character development and he gets way more of a god complex, then, like, that's up for discussion. But especially at this point, like, he definitely doesn't deserve it. Well, especially because they've been working with him for a few weeks now. Yeah, it's not like he's, like, totally a newbie. I mean, he still is, but, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just unfair. So there's just little moments sprinkled throughout this episode where you're just like, Connor's a good dude. Was a good dude. Yeah. Like, do you did you notice in this whole sequence how Zanetti would call Sarah newbie, and he actually like called her Reese. He actually like made the effort to know her name and use it. It's so wild because I so Sarah Reese is honestly probably one of my least favorite characters. Like, I do not care for her, but because I know that there's like like 
a contingent of the fandom who shipped them so hard, ship Connor and Reese. Like mm-hmm. every time I like see, I like when I saw this scene, I was like, oh, I bet that's what that's like a scene that these people like. I that's like how I think of it, and I'm like, why do I think of it like that? Who yeah. am I? Because I don't care for Sarah Reese at all. But I, like I did notice that if Reese was tougher, I could see them maybe working. But Reese was just so timid. But yeah, but I was like, so basically I was like, if I was a shipper of them, I would be all on the scene. I'd be like, oh, he called her Reese and everyone else calls her newbie. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that would be me if I was a shipper of them, but I'm not. I, I I could see it, but like. I see why people, if you liked, I, I, I definitely could, I think, see the appeal. It's not my cup of tea, like I, especially because like I said, I don't really care for Sarah, but like, I definitely think I can see why people ship them. Yeah. That. It's just not for me. So then we get a scene with Connor and Claire and it's icy. Here's the clip. Look, I, I wish I had more to tell you. Russell's on his way to Cascan right now so we can figure out what's injured. We think that it has something to do with the subclavian artery. English? the one that supplies blood to the arm. He's gonna need an operation. We have to remove the glass. You haven't removed the glass? It's actually keeping him from bleeding to death. We are trying to get good imaging so that when we operate, we're not going in blind. So get it. Is this how it's gonna be? What did you expect? I had to leave, okay? The way things were with Dad, there right. was no... Right, you left him, Connor. But you left me, too. Just go take care of Russell. I still have so many questions that were never cleared up about Connor's No, Connor's past. backstory has lots of holes. Yeah. So many holes. So... A, why did he leave? Which I think was some, I think he like found out later that his dad had something to do with his mom's suicide. I think. I think I, it's so iffy. Cause like all I really remember is obviously he goes to medical school in um Mexico. Mexico? Is that where you go? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I definitely don't remember why he left. Yeah, but I don't think he, I don't think he left to go solely to go to med school. I think he left Chicago after med school then oh so many things they did not clear up for us i don't remember like any of his backstory except for the fact that obviously i knew he i mean i obviously forgot he had a whole ass sister so i mean i definitely don't remember all i remember is his dad being a like kind of the worst and yeah but also if he left because his family was so toxic why did he come back yeah. Well, and then you're telling me he was gone for four years in Mexico and, like, that was it? No, because didn't he go help people after that? I think so. Like, in a, like, Doctors Without Borders type, or with, yeah, without, like, in one of those programs? It's a good thing I'm starting to make a list of bio stuff, because I don't remember anything, clearly. Yeah. I'm over here thinking, like, hmm, we should start from the beginning. That's quite literally what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, at this point, we are. Yeah, pretty much. We pretty know much. nothing. So, 
Connor has the conversation with his sister. He's not happy. I mean, she she's not very nice about it. I, I get what she's saying, though. She's like, you left me, too. But Right. It's not just dad. No. But I don't know. She's she's really harsh on him. The way like he, the way he's like, well, we need to get this scan. She's like, then do it. Like, yeah. But I think I mean I think she's harsh. But I think you know underlying, I think she's hurt. You know, I yeah. think that's really where it's all coming from. Obviously, but it's still not necessarily an excuse for the way you're talking to him. No, and I I get the vibe that in that family, being hurt just means like suck it up. Yeah. And, like, brush it under the table. And I'm sure that's what Claire did for the last however many years. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, as Connor's walking back, Maggie and Dr. Charles are, like, at... They're, they're like, they're in the ED. And Maggie just goes, did you hear? He's that Rhodes. That's not fair. That's the reason he didn't tell anyone. Exactly. Yeah. But also, you've known this guy for however long it's been since the pilot. You Like... He's not giving off spoiled rich kid vibes. Maybe yeah. Don't don't hold that against him. That's not fair. Yeah. Like I said, it's not. It's the reason he didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, Will kind of meddles in this a little bit. Not too bad, but I probably should have put this part in the Will section, but not really because I don't know. Okay. So Will is the worst in this episode. The worst. Okay. So first of all, when when Russell comes in, Will's kind of, you know, Will's, Will sort of starts it out, but then Connor takes it over. And it's really quite as simple as, like, Connor knows the guy. Not only does Connor know the guy, but he's yeah. known him since he was a child. So, like, of course he's going to just take it over. No problem with that. Will takes it personally. He probably and, should not have, but that's well, a different conversation. No, that baffled me, too. I was like, how is Connor getting to stay on this case? It's like, it's the one thing I didn't want to agree with his dad about, but for different reasons, obviously, than his dad, his dad wanted to use it as like a control with the power stuff. But like, I was like, he kind of is right. He shouldn't probably, not that he's not a talented surgeon, but he should not be on the case for personal reasons. Agreed. With that said, however, if I'm going to pick one med doctor to be working on a family member or like someone closely related, Connor's the one I trust the most. Especially at this point in the series. I think I would trust him more than Crockett. Really? I think I would trust him the most out of like all the doctors all time. I might trust him the most. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'd definitely be him or Crockett, but I think I may give the slight edge to Crockett. But it'd be he I mean they're they're both up there. I feel like they're the like obvious answers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Will takes it personally. He like throws his gloves out and storms out like a child because that's what he is in season one. And he just leaves to go bother Nat. But then later on, Will runs into Connor in the doctor's lounge. And so Will was just looking over the scans for Connor's case because it's it's an, it's an unusual case. So he's just looking at it just out of curiosity. And so even Connor's like, no, I get it. Like, I get it. It's interesting. So Will's looking at everything and Connor's like, I think we're going to do this. And out of the blue, Will just goes, do you want my opinion? Will. so desperate in this episode to be one of the cool kids. He's so desperate. It's yeah. funny. But also like facepalm because he's it's so also bad. So bad. So bad. Yeah. yeah. 
So it turns out, though, Cornelius is equally as bad, if not worse. So Connor comes out to talk to them at one point, and he's like, look, this is what we're looking at. It's going to be a lengthy hospital stay, a really lengthy recovery. And Cornelius is just like, so you want to make sure somebody's going to cover the copay. And Claire's like, absolutely, we will. He calls her Bernie Sanders over being willing to I, I noticed that too and i was like one that's also very like dated reference because like yes but also it's just like i was like jesus christ i know in case there were any doubts over who cornelius voted for uh yeah yeah we know so calls her bernie sanders and then like goes on this whole spiel about how he's like well if we do this for one employee we're gonna have to do it for all of them it's like and Connor's like, dude, like it's not it's not just any other employee. It's I forget his name. Yeah. yeah. Randall? Is that Russell. His name? Russell. That's Russell. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then as they're walking away, I think we get like the most underrated, possibly best line of dialogue from Dr. Charles ever. Cause yeah. He meets up with Connor and he goes, That's your dad. And he goes, Fathers like that keep me in business, baby. <laughs> I know. I need to add that to a list of quotes. Like, if we ever get to play another, like, say white game or, like, you know, who said it, that has to be on there because it's, wow. That's goodness. a gem. It's so good. That might be one of his best lines ever. It's definitely up there. Yeah. It's pretty great. So then, since Cornelius didn't get what he wanted the first time, he asked Goodwin to remove Connor from the case. Not only yeah. does he do that, he does it by implying that Connor's not good enough. What? That's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, obviously this is for Cornelius. This is just a power move. Um, but I like I said, I do slightly, it's the only time I would ever agree with him because I do think Connor got maybe a little too personally involved. But that being said, he definitely should not have been taken off the case because he's not good enough. Oh, oh. Which one Chicago character has the worst daddy issues? Go. Oh, God. Uh, Amongst all three. My gut reaction is Connor followed by Severide. Yeah. Benny cheated on his mom. Yeah. Yeah. Severide, or he was just also gone a lot. Casey's was an abuser who then was murdered. yeah we just don't see like i thought about that but like we just don't like we don't meet his dad no he has mommy issues (laughs) he doesn't have daddy issues he has mommy issues imagine casey's dad in chicago heaven he'd be like the villain character oh god casey's dad going up against like benny severide oh my god (laughs) casey and severide 2.0 yeah for sure Yeah, Casey has more mommy issues than daddy issues. And, like, Ruzik's Disco Bob issues are not nowhere near the same level on the same par. Um, yeah, yeah, they all, all the other daddy issues from all the other characters make Ruzik's look like nothing. Yeah, and even Atwater's, like, they're not... Atwater's is probably... I'd put above Ruzik's. Haley's got daddy issues? Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Who knows? <laughs> this game is kind of fun is that bad it's terrible that we have that many to list off i know (laughs) about who has daddy issues 
Yeah, I think I think as of right now, Connor takes Connor's like the president of like one Chicago daddy. Connor's like one A and Severide's one B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so yeah. sad. It's so sad. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. Gabby, well, yeah, Gabby's got some daddy issues. Gabby's like tiny daddy issues. Like I would put her at the bottom of the list. With Ruzik. I'd probably put Ruzik above Gabby. Oh, don't forget Jay and Will. Oh, yeah. Pat Halstead. They're somewhere in the middle. They're somewhere in the middle with uh, Atwater. Like, not the worst, but not the... Atwater's know. definitely got it worse. Yeah, his dad was gone. Unfortunately, Pat Halstead was still around. Yeah. I feel like we're forgetting someone, but it's just not coming to me right this second. With daddy issues? Hang on. Um, Hold on. Who are we missing? Sarah! Duh! Uh, oh yeah that ended in a giant dumpster fire yeah that was not great that was not um, great april and noah had a good dad yeah his dad was good their dad I, was good yeah we never knew anything about natalie's dad aaron's dad <laughs> aaron really didn't know who her dad was and it might have been yeah really- yeah she's mommy she's up there with the mommy issues on the case like we have mommy issues very slightly and then we have a lot of daddy issues yeah god imagine though if void had turned out to be her dad like my boss is my dad and i just found out ask me anything (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i feel like we'll think of more as we go through this we'll be like oh yeah i forgot about this person the continuum of daddy issues oh my god uh-huh <laughs> yeah so cornelius is just like i'm afraid my son's like not good enough to be on russell's care and goodwin is just basically like and i think you're wrong like yeah you're entitled to your wrong opinion fine yeah i did like that she wasn't like like even from the beginning when even from the beginning goodwin was like yeah no i don't care what you have to say like yeah. i'm gonna run my hospital the way i see fit and if mm-hmm. I think that Connor should be taken off, then that's one thing. But, like, I like that she was just, like, very firm with her decision. She's like, uh, no. Good one. Being a badass, as Gotta always. Gotta love her. I do. Yeah. I do. I adore her. She's a queen. Yeah, and then, like, Cornelius just kept, like, threatening litigation. Like, dude, that, stop. You just sound stupid. Yeah. So then he goes to the chairman of the hospital because, like, bruh, just learn how to take the no. Just, yeah. Yeah. And even that, Sharon's like, yeah, no, I addressed his concerns. I just told him no. So, yeah, deal. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. And so then in surgery, Connor nicks an artery, but then, of course, saves the day because, like, he's Connor. Yeah, Whatever. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, and so, and Zanetti, like, even when she meets Connor's dad, she's like, leave him out of the OR. Like, do not bring him in there with you. And so this move Connor makes where he's like, no, I've got it. Like, let me take over, whatever. The first thing out of her mouth, she's like, that wasn't about your father, was it? I really hope you weren't trying to prove something. So yes. what if it was? He got the job done. He got the job done. But I think her point is that, like, if he's still, you know, if she's trying to teach him, if she's trying to be like, you know, I think it's more just like you can't, like, yeah, it worked out in your favor this time. But, like, it may not always work out in your favor. True. And that can't be your motivating reason for, you know, acting that way. 
but also no wonder he distances himself from his family because like it's almost like the name is kind of burdensome to him well yeah that's why he probably didn't tell i mean people he didn't say like oh oh, yeah my father owned stolen road you know blah 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 he just said oh yeah my name's kind of Rhodes." like well, no, because even even though these people have it. worked with him now, they're it's not like they're just meeting him for the first time. Even though they've already worked with him, they're still they're already like they're judging him on who his family is, which is not fair. But it's, I mean, but yeah, it's not the first time meeting him, but it is not been like that long, like in two weeks, maybe like it's not like he's been there for like 20 years mm-hmm. or even six months. You know, it's been like two weeks. Yeah, I guess. I'd say, like, maybe a month max. Like, you know, you kind of know him, but, like, not really. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, Russell's going to be fine, because, of course. And then we get this last bit with Goodwin. Dolan Rhodes. It's a big name in Chicago. Growing up with that can give a person a skewed perspective, like, whatever he wants, he ought to get. <laughs> My dad give you a hard time. <laughs> Nothing I couldn't handle. My grandfather was the one who started the business. Yeah? Yeah, salt of the earth kind of guy. He used to say to me, you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. You know, be better than everybody else so that you don't turn out like everybody expects you to. Mm-hmm. So that you don't turn out like your father. Took me a while to get that message. Well, congratulations, Dr. Rhodes. We kind of see multiple times in this episode that, like, in a way, Goodwin kind of provides him with the parental support he never had in this episode. That's why she's always been the best. Is like, even when she's, like, tough on, I didn't even say, like, towards Will. Like, I mean, obviously, she and Will have never had, like, a great relationship. But, like, in certain moments, she can be that person to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, which is why she's always the best. Pretty much. Yep. So at the end of the episode, he apologizes to Zanetti for basically like questioning her in the operation. But she basically is just like never apologize. Like, you know, because she she mentioned she's like, you know, if the, if the attending had a more fragile ego, he would have taken your head off in the OR. But, you yeah. know, I'm not like that. And so, yeah, he says sorry. And she goes, no, never apologize. And And I think instead of like professional advice, that was more so to just like show that they're into each other yeah which i'm trying to remember when that happens isn't it soon she's only in she's only in season one so yeah it's soon well i mean yeah i know she's only in season one i was just couldn't remember like is it like next it's not like next episode it might be i'm trying to i'm like looking up when his because obviously they just kind of like leave the sister stuff so i'm trying to look back and see like which episode she comes back in and i've got her imdb pulled up so hold on she's in three episodes total zanetti her no his sister because they kind of just drop the claire stuff it's like Mm -hmm. okay yeah we save russell and then they're like we don't see claire again she comes back in episode six and then 15 okay so that's all for claire let me look up zanetti hold on a second I just saw her on her IMDb. Where is it? What else has she done? She's not been in that much, so finding her. She's in eight episodes. She's in four, five, seven, eight, nine. She's basically in all the next ones almost until 11. Okay. So, yeah, it probably starts next episode. I, yeah, I guess around 11 is probably when the Downey stuff starts. 
So that makes sense. Yeah. And that's Claire's last episode, too. Yeah. Or around that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm. yeah. Cool. All right. Next up, we've got Natalie. And in parentheses, I have and Will. Because Will, Will, Will. He's a doozy this episode. He really sucks. The early Will is a trip. Oh my god, it's the worst. It's the worst. And like, we haven't even gotten to the worst of the shit he does in season one. What a time season one is for Will William Halstead. I know. Oh my goodness. Take it away, please. All right. So Natalie's still pissed about last week where Will basically was yelling at her and kind of undermined her and she's still really pissed and rightfully so i i would be pissed if i was her too i would not have forgiven him yet no i'd probably she forgives him at the end of the episode i wouldn't have even i probably would have stretched it for a while yeah when she like he has this plan to forgive her so he like apologizes and then he's like tries to sweet talk her into this patient console and it's just like dude that's not that's not how you do this he's love bombing her to get her to forgive him yeah and it's like you're going way too hard right now like way too hard but she does i mean she does oblige she does do the patient consult so basically he is a patient who's a musician and as this is the first time we learn in chicago med at least that natalie is a violinist just like this patient and which obviously tori is a real life is a violinist Mm -hmm. so that's where that comes from and so the patient and Natalie are trying to bond over their music and, you know, she gets why this patient's having a really hard time because um, it's a hearing thing. She's having trouble hearing. Um, and so, but Will's like so desperate to try to fit in and like have Natalie forgive him that this is how this goes. <laughs> I played snare in marching band freshman year. <laughs> when he says I played snare in marching band freshman year, I was like, that's cool story bro i was like dude i was like yeah get out of here did you write that down on your fact sheet for each character what about her being a violinist or no, no will playing play snare. snare i did not get that i did not i got natalie paying the violin but i did not get will plays the snare in his freshman marching band do you think he oh, was like man. drumming all over the house and jay and pat were like oh my god will stop it i have a feeling will was one of those people who like the reason he was only in it one year because like he didn't care so like he didn't practice he didn't whatever he like barely got by and then they were like yeah no you can't come back sophomore year oh, God. i feel like jay was probably a jock and so will probably had to have something just to kind of like feel relevant you think jay was a jock i could definitely see him having played like i could see him having played football just for like the the really shit. yeah I could see that but not him being like a team player with school spirit him just being in it to knock guys down. Oh, see, I kind of picture Jay as one of those people who didn't really do much. Like he kind of just got by. Like he was a good student, but he kind of just like got by. Like hmm. he wasn't in sports, but he wasn't like a theater person. Like he was just kind of like did high school because like, he knew he had to get through high school. I and could, obviously, yeah, I could see either one. If his wasn't, was their mom sick when they were teenagers? I think so. So, like, my guess is he was like, well, fuck band. Like, I'm going to go, like, home every day after school and, like, take care of mom, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. 
yeah that's the that's that's the the endless string of theories about the halstead family that we're just gonna go in circles about until the end of time until we get back to the idea like when we get the episode because i i mean will's older right we that's what the episode says uh the, episode, the other way around no jay's older i don't think that's right i i i still i, I think, will die on that hill i think will's older I do too. I see, but I need the episode to confirm it. It does say it somewhere, and I will add it officially episode, to the fact it's, sheet. Yeah, it's an episode of PD. It's Will's first episode. But to this day, and again, I will die on this hill. So the closed captioning caught younger. Closed captioning caught younger. Everybody and their dog heard older. So it's just, it's a mystery. But I refuse to believe that Jay is older than Will and Will's a doctor. Like Will's been through med school and everything and he's still younger than Will or younger than Jay. I don't know anymore until I rewatch it. And that's yeah. why I said I got to do a fact sheet cuz like all these details they eventually you get through like 12 seasons of a show and you're like what is happening anymore? I don't well, know. Jesse even confirmed it on Twitter if I remember correctly. Somebody asked him and was like once and for all clear this up and he was like Will yeah. is older than Jay. Jesse is older than Nick. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, so they end up doing the tests on this patient and basically they find out she has what's called an acoustic neuroma and basically she could end up potentially going deaf. And she's honestly, the results of the surgery, there's a surgery she can get and it's not great. So she, the, she's more likely to go deaf than not. And so, of course, she's a musician. So she, this is her, being a musician is her entire life. And so she's like, I can't have the surgery. And Will is like, no, you really kind of got to have the surgery. And she's like, where's the girl who's the violinist? Like, I want her back in here. Like, I will only talk to her. So, of course, Will takes it as one would expect how Will to take it. She's not going to do the surgery, at least not until she's given a recital. You told her those tumors might kill her first. Hearing and being heard, it's how Dylan interacts with the world. She can't imagine her life without that ability. She needs more time to process all of this. She doesn't have more time. I don't know what to tell you. It's not our decision to make. I don't believe this. I, I miss something with one patient and it's too late to fix it. Then I catch something like this early on and I still can't fix it. Nat, the medicine is clear. The patient should not be making this decision. I should. So you became a doctor to tell people what to do? I became a doctor to save people's lives. It's all I've ever wanted to do. I don't have a fallback plan or some hidden passion. This is it for me. It's just, no one ever told me there'd be this much loss involved. Yeah, Will, you can't just force, you're a doctor. You can offer options. You can't force them on your patients. <laughs> the way he's like making it about himself at this point yeah and then the line where he's like i didn't realize there'd be this much loss involved honey how long have you been doing this yeah well you know he was in plastic surgery so he probably didn't have as much loss before but didn't he also like work on cleft palates in sudan i don't remember this man i don't remember not even this man but this he child. did i mean in plastic surgery i don't think you have that much loss mm. so. but still you are a doctor you should expect some sort of loss oh gosh yeah. 
So Natalie, though, handles, I mean, Natalie handles this thing as basically as perfectly as she can. So the next day, she's like, you know, we're going to have that recital that, you know, if, you know, now's the moment, like, you're good, we're going to have this recital. So Natalie brings her violin the next day and convinces her to have the surgery. Because even if she loses her hearing, her body will still remember how to play and she'll remember what the music sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have this scene and that is actually Tori playing the violin. Like I said, the reason they, Natalie's a violinist is because Tori was a violinist. I love it Um, so much. Yeah. And Will's just watching because Will. He's just so love struck. It's just, it's like ridiculous and adorable, but also like super frustrating because like the minute he hears the violin music coming and he realizes it's her, he just gets this big dopey smile. Yeah. Yeah. We all knew he was in love from literally the beginning. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The actual beginning. Um, and, of course, I mean, so they do the surgery and the patient, it pretty much is presumed. We don't really hear her talk after that, but she's pretty much presumed death. Because um, Natalie, like, writes her a note um, and she writes back. So, And then, basically, it ends with a messenger leaves a will, a package for Will. And it's the tie that Connor promised for helping him out, which is kind of a nice moment i was like we very rarely got like bro moments between connor and will so like this no because they were always having cute. dick swinging competitions which was so yeah, not necessary i know they could have they could have had an romances. epic friendship they could have been had an epic friendship like casey and severide and like they just were like no we're not doing that nope um and will's lucky day because not only did he get the tie natalie forgives him somehow i don't know why but she did. He basically, he sends three different types of chocolate bars, and he's like, I don't really know what you like, and a jar of olives, and it's just like, Will. That is kind of cute, though. I mean, yeah, but like, I don't know. It's not every, I think he could have had like a slightly better apology, but. I mean, there's a lot of things Will could have done better throughout the entirety of this season. True. True. Oh, man. Thank God. He but that's Will. Up. And it's just going to... Season one is going to be a downward spiral for Will. This is, like, this is the beginning, because, like, it doesn't get better from here. Like, what is their dynamic, like, now that they've grown eight years and now they're, like, living together in Seattle? Like, are they still fighting, like, children? Like, what what does conflict resolution look like in the Manstead household? I'm, like, dying to know. I mean, I think it's gotten a lot better. Obviously, like, Natalie went through a bunch. Like, in the time that they were apart from when their wedding gets called off to, like, when they meet back up in Seattle. Like, think about all the shit that both of them individually have gone through. Mm-hmm. I-, I feel like there was a lot of growing up. I don't feel like they handled themselves the same way they did when they were, like, originally together. Yeah. They went through a lot of shit separately. Yeah. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. That's true. So. So then that brings us to Ethan. Um, Ethan has an army guy. He's a patient who might be diabetic. And the guy's kind of freaking out about it because if he isn't, if he is diabetic, his days of shipping out are done. Like he can't deploy anymore. And so there is a random Natalie scene that gets placed in here. I'm not, I wasn't really sure where to put it, but basically since the guy, the guy is in the army, Natalie drops by just to say like, thank you for your service. And that's really about it. The guy's like, you know, I didn't know your husband. I, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's about it. And so she storms out, not storms out, but like she walks out and she's crying and she's just like, you know, she's like, I was basically looking for Jeff. Like, that's what I was doing. And that was stupid of me. Um, 
they never really explored that with Nat. And I feel like that could have been really good, especially if they're trying to tell us that he only died six months before the show started. Yeah, I feel like they definitely could have done something more with that. And I can't remember, obviously, I feel like her PTSD and, you know, trauma around Jeff comes back again. But I feel like if you were going to put it in this episode, it would have been nice to touch on it again in this yeah. episode. Or, like, save that scene for something else. Yeah, there's there's no way that she's perfectly fine six months out. Right. So Ethan brings in Dr. Charles because it's just not adding up. He just says, you know, the circumstances aren't really making sense because if the guy was depressed, then he'd be relieved to have diabetes because it means he gets to stay home, but he's not relieved. So something's weird. So Dr. Charles comes in, finds out that he's a psychiatrist. Basically, Ethan says the P word and it makes him freak out. Psychiatrist. And he rips out his IV, stands up and passes out and whams his head on the table on the way down. Which, like, yeah, of course you passed out. You ripped out your IV. Like, that much pain and yeah. blood everywhere, that would make me pass out, too. Yeah, that's safe. Mm-hmm. So somehow we go from, like, zero to 60 in this time frame, and Dr. Charles deduces that the wife has been poisoning the husband this whole time with prednisone. Literally insane. I like, I kind of vaguely, once we started watching this, I was like, oh yeah, I do kind of remember this case. And like, I remember like them being very familiar, but I definitely did not remember that it got that far. What in the true crime podcast is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that like Dr. Charles just got there and like expected us all to catch up. Like he he had one interaction with the spouse where he was like, yeah, well, you know, you must love having him home. And she just kind of like nods and like walks away. And from yeah. that, he goes, like, zero to prednisone. Okay. All right. Hmm. So she explains to Goodwin that she, and I quote, read it on the internet that if she gave him prednisone, it would look like diabetes. What the hell do you Google to get that to come up? I literally don't even want to know. I don't want to know. How to poison your husband? <laughs> How can you get diabetes? Like, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. What, what on earth did she type in? And I really hope it was in a private browser. My God. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And so she's like, surely you understand. And Goodman's like, it really doesn't matter if I understand. You committed a crime. Yeah. It's Sorry. still illegal, lady. Still illegal. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So Ethan explains it to the, the guy and he's just like, you know, it's going to flush out of your system. Don't worry about that. Like, whatever. It's cool. Uh and, you know, he sees she she basically turns herself into the police and he just kind of walks over to her and is like, we'll get through this together and goes with her. Yep. That guy and Natalie are both better people than I am. Yeah, I, I would have had a hard yeah. time forgiving her. Yeah. Yeah. I would have eventually forgiven Will, but I would have let it simmer. Would have made him sweat. Yes, for sure. Will, I definitely, I mean, I, it would have maybe taken me a little longer to forgive him and I probably would have forgiven and not forgotten that he said that to me, but this guy or this lady in this case, if I was this guy, I would not, I would have a really hard time with that. I feel like that's an indicator that your lives are going in two separate directions. You know, if he wants to stay in the army and she wants him home so they can have a baby. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of other issues to work out. Oh, big time. Big time. So, yeah. So, 
I also don't understand how people forgive and forget. I like I even no no I don't understand like forgiving yeah okay great I could never forget I mean it would have to be something like super minor right like oh you lied to me about the food being done or you know like something like so stupid like that like okay yeah forgive you or like whatever you know something like minor stupid okay yeah I can forgive and forget but like something major like uh, yeah I may forgive you but I'm not gonna forget no, but in a comment like Will's, like, try thinking like a doctor unless like a pregnant woman, that is a direct attack on like her professionalism and his But it's also crazy that like she obviously clearly forgave and then forgot because look at where we are now. Like now they're yeah. like living together. Who knows? Probably going to be married one day. Like if they're not they're married fine. already. Right. They're fine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. granted, they go through a lot of other bigger shit than that. But still, if I was her, I would definitely have had issues. Yes. With that comment for yes. for a long time. Yes. I also probably would have threatened Will and been like, don't try that comment on me again. Like, don't. Yeah. Absolutely not. So, yeah. That's med. Yep. Bibbies. What so, a time. Moving into fire. Okay. So, this is an episode of fire that we have done before. This is yes. 103 of fire. Um, we actually just covered this one maybe like a year or two ago. Not long ago. I mean, but two years ago is a long time, too. What is time? Why do I still try to make sense of time? There, time makes no sense. We're, we had COVID, and now we have the strike, and I, I don't know. It's an episode yeah. that we covered once upon a time. We did. That is true. It is. Yes. I um, forgot that we meet both Voight and Antonio in the same episode. That's why I've always been, like, really upset with how like by the time John Seda exits like I really feel like well really just the time like when he comes back from justice to PD I feel like they just did him such a disservice like I feel like they just treated him not great in terms or Antonio not great not that they treated John Seda but like I feel like they just kind of did him dirty because like you said it this Voight is introduced but also Antonio and this isn't the only time you see Antonio again in season one like you see him a lot like he really did truly help spin off the show mm-hmm. into PD and then obviously helped spin off PD into Justice so like he was just he, to me like he is almost like was like one of the big hearts and souls of this entire franchise and I just feel like they did him so dirty yeah and this episode just made me realize and I was like yeah yeah yep if we've learned anything, it's that med is the best at goodbyes. Oh, fire, for sure. Fire and PD absolutely suck. Yeah. 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 Um, Get but started, please. this episode, I was going to say, this episode, I forgot to put it in the outline, but it does, it did air in October 24th, 2012. So oh it is God. almost 13, or 11 years old. And it was written by Matt Olmstead. Also, fun fact, this episode is included. If you have the PD Season 1 DVD set, this episode is included on that. Because obviously it's a big deal in setting up PD. So this episode is included on the Season PD box set, which I don't have any box sets of Chicago. have it all streaming. But I've also never known a time of watching just one and not the others. I've I've always watched all three at the same time. So I don't, yeah. That whole life of like there being a like a, an episode of the other show that you got to watch first. I don't know that life. Oh yeah, see, I know that life. Um, I feel like if I found them for like really cheap, I would buy them. But I'm not gonna buy them for like regular price, right? 
Like if I found them in like a yard sale for like five bucks, like I would definitely buy them. But like, you yeah. know, anyway, so we're, we're going to start with Voight and Casey because this is a lot. So Mills jinxes, it's, the episode starts and Mills jinxes everything because he is, again, still a candidate. He's still new to this. And so he's like, oh, there's only two hours left and it's been awfully quiet. And they're just like, did you really just say the Q word? Ooh. Really? Because as soon as the words leave his lips, the alarm goes off. Casey, and in, the, like, Casey oh. in the truck when he's like, hey, Mills, you got a pitcher in the eighth inning and it looks like he's pitching a no hitter. You go up to him and say, hey, looks like you're pitching a no hitter. Yeah. <laughs> And Mills is like, I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> so they pull up on a car crash, and it basically, this car crash ended up turning a vehicle upside down. It's a uh, father and a son that gets turned upside down on the edge of a bridge. And wow. Yeah, I know. And basically, it's the result of someone driving drunk. That's how, I guess, the way he hit the car. And it, I, I don't know exactly, I mean, science, but like, anyway. So, of course, that someone who was driving drunk, drunk was a just a pre-Josh Segarra, Justin Voigt. And so, he's, Casey sees him, and Casey very clearly realizes that this guy's drunk. He can smell it on him. He sees the, like, bottles of beer in the, you know, floorboard. And so, Casey leaves to go back to the other car and, like, help get them out. And by the time he can walk back over to Justin Voigt's car, he's gone. And there's a police officer standing there and he's like dude like where the hell did he go and they're like oh well some officers transported him and he's like well he should have been transported in an ambulance and the guy's basically like look like you see that detective standing back there that's detective hank voight and this was his son and voight's really tied up in some like really shady shit and like i don't want to really like test him oh my god and so casey's like well what the fuck the smug grin on hank's face like not even a hint of worry that your son was just in a drunk driving accident. It's just yeah. like a totally smug grin. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, he fucked up. But like, I got this covered and I know I got it covered. My God. And this is, remind me, before he goes back to prison, right? Justin? Voight? No, Voight. Oh, Hank. Before. This is before because this is the first time we right. ever meet him. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, so- yeah. No, I know that. But, like, I just couldn't remember. This is, like, he goes back to prison after this whole thing. And then he comes out of prison and they're, like, we're going to give you intelligence, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I didn't think it was, like, pre this. I thought it was post this. Um. Anyway. And so Casey's kind of left at a word loss. He's, like, uh, okay. And so whatever so casey pulls gabby aside the next day to ask her to ask antonio because he's like hey your brother still works in vice right (laughs) because yeah antonio still works in vice um to like can he like stop by and gabby's like yeah sure so antonio stops by and kind of gives him the lowdown and this is where we're at who wants to be known as the rat fireman who took down a cop's kid what's the cop's name detective voight Aye, aye. What's the problem? Boyd's been hip deep in a gang unit for 15 years. He's been investigated for taking bribes and look, he's a dirty cop. The kind of guy that gives the rest of us a bad name. Okay. Well, I saw what I saw. The question is, did anyone else see it? I'll ask around, put some feelers out. Wait to hear from me. Because I'm telling you, as a friend of my sister's, you do not want to mess with this dude. 
Lieutenant Casey! Chief wants to see you in his office. Okay. Whatever you can do, I'd appreciate it. It's not great. Casey's really stuck in between like a rock and a hard place because it's not great. Oh, big time. But I will also say that I really miss the original trio. I know. I know. And like the fact that even Antonio at back at that point is like, it's kind of wild to think that like he says he's like, as a friend of my sister's, I'm telling you, I you don't want to mess with this dude. And then Antonio goes to work for that dude. Yeah. It's like, oh, we've come so far in like such a short time. But actually though. Yeah. And so basically they have this conversation and then Casey leaves. Casey has to go talk to Bowden or whatever. And Antonio's like, ask Gabby, he's like, How long have you been dating? And she, like, tries to play it off. She's like, no, we're just friends. And then she's like, he's taken. And, like, I just, I missed, like, that sibling dynamic. I was like, this feels, like, so good to be back with, like, those two. We need another sibling set. If if the strikes ever end and everybody gets paid fairly, we need another set of siblings. But who's that gonna, who's gonna have a sibling? I, I still stand by, just make, make Violet and Kai cousins. Yeah. You bring uh, Cruz's brother back. He Leon. still has a sibling that's alive, so. Yeah. And, and that we've met a couple times. Maybe it's for the best that he's not in Chicago then, because you know how one Chicago is with relatives. Yeah, maybe it's best that we actually don't know any of these siblings, <laughs> that we don't see them. Well, we're out of siblings now, now that Jay and Will are gone. Yeah, I mean, official siblings, yeah. I mean, because, like, technically, like, Ruzik has a brother, uh, or no, a sister. Yeah. Uh, uh atwater has jordan and vanessa you know like they have siblings but like well, i know but i'm saying like i'm saying bring in a new character main characters yeah yes main characters. yes yes correct i mm-hmm. definitely agree yeah um anyway but it was just like cool to see like them back and like obviously just kind of see like it's just a, it's just so good they were just good they were mm-hmm. good i miss them so Hallie comes by to have lunch with Casey and Casey, they start talking about this case. And obviously, because the kid who was the one who was really injured from the car crash, obviously went to Lakeshore where Hallie works. And so they're talking about it. And Hallie mentions that the kid from the van, you know, is now paralyzed from the waist down. So his life got completely altered. Um, And so all of a sudden, which we'll get to this kind of like, C storyline in a minute but like mouch person and he's like a cop donated a flat screen tv and so they're everyone's really excited because they don't have a tv with us working but we'll get there in a second and Casey's like you have to send it back and they're like what like what the fuck like it's a and i, I was kind of dying at the fact that they're like it's a 45 inch tv and like <laughs> now they make tvs that are like you know 85 inches that are like super cheap and i'm like again like that just kind of felt very dated they're like it's 45 inches and i'm like guys <laughs> like come on now they act like they just got like the biggest tv ever but um yeah so casey's like send it back and bone is like is there anything you want to loop me in on and casey's like uh yeah yeah which like you probably should have done that from the beginning yeah so Antonio stops by again, and this time he's meeting with Bowden and Casey, and they're talking about the whole thing. And Antonio's like, yeah, there are other people who saw his kid drunk, but there were other cops who aren't about to go against Voight. Because, again, nobody wants to go against Voight. Um, and Antonio's like, listen, like, Voight's been pulling Justin out of these things since he was 15. And, he, again, he kind of reemphasizes, and he's like, I'm just telling you, if it was Gabby who was in your shoes, and I'm not proud to admit this, but I tell her to stay out of it. Which is, like, crazy to think about the fact that, like... In the beginning, Antonio was just like, yeah, like, I don't want to go and him. And then, like, obviously, 
when we got to PD, Antonio, even though he worked was working for Voight, like he was still like the main person who would butt heads against Voight mm-hmm. um, back then. I still don't fully understand Voight's like origin story. Like he was a dirty cop, but then they tried to make it seem like he wasn't a third dirty cop. So like, which one is but it? Then they know. like make a bunch of references how like, but like in the beginning, I'm trying to remember which episode. I want to say it's in like season two or three. Like they have. Remember there was a cop, I want to say he was like a infiltrated with like a Chinese gang or something. And then they like, they think that cop's gone bad. And then like he and Al are like, oh, well, he used to work with us like way back when. And I'm oh, like, isn't that so the Brian T episode? Cop? What? That's the Brian T episode, isn't it? Is that the same episode? Probably. So. That would make sense. Yeah. But so maybe that's season two i think because i think that's a two but you know what i'm sorry like but like back then you're like oh yeah i guess what used to once upon a time be like on just a normal cop so it's like what happened i have no idea i have no clue all i know is that he's still in charge now yeah even after he gets out of prison which makes no sense yeah but anyway so the guy, the dad from the car accident, he stops by to drop off a cake to say thank you to everyone. But that's not the only reason he comes. He he says, you know, that the police report comes back and they're saying that it's his fault, that he ran a lead blight and caused the accident. But he's like, I know that's not true. So at this point, Casey hadn't really done anything with his report. And Bowden's like, no, you've got to have your report, your incident report filled out. Like, I can't let you keep going. So this whole conversation prompts Casey. Casey's like, fuck it. I'm going to go against Voight. And I'm going to fill out this incident report exactly how I know the thing went down. And so when he turns it into Bowden, he shakes his hand and he says, he's like, leaders lead from the front, which is one of Bowden's most iconic quotes. And I forgot that it was like, why that quote came to be. Yeah. Um, So that was really cool to see. So Boyd stops by the house and takes Casey out for a drink. And this is an intense conversation. A lot of cops got dinosaur arms that comes to pulling their gun. Not me. I've always been aggressive. It's the only way to get anything done in my line of work. The reason I'm telling you this is I put a lot of time into my job. I mean, I care a lot about protecting this city and the people in it. Maybe too much, because I wasn't at home a lot, and I took my eye off my son. That's on me. I am telling you right now, I am going to be up that kid's ass until he gets his head on straight. I'm going to get him in a program, the whole deal. I got my word on it. Good to hear. See, the thing is, Justin, that's my son. He's got some priors. This thing that happened the other night, if there was alcohol involved, that's a felony. He does time. Real time. You ever been to Lockup? You've been to Statesville? You've been to these places? You don't want your kid there. Trust me. I'm sympathetic, but that's got nothing to do with me. Sure it does. You filed a report that said my son was drunk that night. He was. Well, I need you to retract it. Let me tell you. I will owe you. Big time. I'm a good guy to have a favor bank with kid in the other car did you know he's paralyzed yeah and it breaks my heart but there is no sense having two tragedies coming from that night 
and putting 10 years on my son would be a tragedy because he's a great guy. I've been to Statesville. You ever been to a spinal injury center? And family watches their kid drag his feet while gripping some parallel bars, clinging to the fantasy that he'll walk again one day. And the dad quits his job to help the mom care for him, take a second mortgage out on their house to pay for it. And on top of that, they have to live with the shame that the police and fire department shoved a lie down their throat that they caused the accident. What you're asking me to do... I'm not asking! You're not the kind of man to do a cop a favor. I can take this to the next level real easy. It was the end of your shift, you were tired, you got your paperwork mixed up, you got your calls mixed up. There's a million excuses. Pick one. Because believe me, you are gonna retract that statement. Because if you don't, I swear to God. Casey. Chief. Chief, uh, can you give us a minute's kind of a private conversation? No, I'm good. In the middle of the shift? Yeah. And because, like, when Bowden comes in at the end, and, like, he doesn't say much, but he, like, stops things from going further. Bowden's, like, I, Bowden's in on it, too, so it's, like, okay. This that is, go. like, my favorite. The way Bowden just strolls in, like, oh, dad's here. Don't fuck with yeah. the sun. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna sit down here, have a drink, and Casey. And then Casey at the end, he's like, I'm not changing a word. Um, but it's intense. Oh, it's totally intense, and it's like Void jumping across the table, like, oh god. Yeah. Um. So basically, they come back to the firehouse after this. But like you said, it happens in the casually in the middle of shift. Like it, it happens. Makes no so, sense. Yeah. Gabby checks in and Casey Casey says he's fine, but then they have this little heart to heart. My brother called, asked if you were sure about what you were doing. I told him you don't know Casey very well. <laughs> you will not all right? Yeah, yeah. Good. What would you have done? I, you know, I went back and forth on this, especially with Antonio in my ear, but you want to know the honest answer? Yeah. If I held that information out of the report, I thought about how I'd feel looking people I respect in the eye. You know, and I guess specifically, I thought about how I'd feel looking you in the eye. That's when I knew I would have done the right thing. The beginning of Dossie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I get it. Like, when, you know, she says, she's like, you know, I knew, that's when I knew I would have done the right thing. Like, yeah. So, 
Uh, and then basically this whole storyline ends like as they're watching the Bears game at the restaurant, which again, we'll get to in two seconds. Casey sees Voight drive by and Ke- Voight just gives Casey like the dirtiest look ever. Like, fuck this. We're not good. This is not done. This is not over. That is the most awkward yet like terrifying moment. Like the slow motion drive by because it just looks so like out of place. And you just see Voight just be like. Yeah. It's so weird. Well, and, like, so I can't remember. And, like, you've been around from the very beginning of Fire. So, like, maybe you remember. Do you know, was it always the plan that they were going to try to spin off into PD? Like, that was always the plan. That was not always the plan? That was not always the plan. So they just did this story. They just did the storyline for shits and giggles? Yeah. Basically? Yeah, basically. And then they realized later on, like, we might have something here. It's just kind of crazy to think. Because, like, I would have thought if they did it for shits and giggles, then they would have just done Voight. Like, it's kind of crazy that they made Antonio a cop and that, like, they, like, literally brought in two characters who then they could obviously use to, like, spin off into a whole other show. But it's, like, I would have thought they would have just done Voight. If that that was would case. be really presumptuous and ballsy on the third episode of this brand new show to already but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of crazy that, like, it all kind of ended up, they were able to, they had laid the ground so much, even if that wasn't that their idea, that they were like, oh, this is a hit. And, but, like, also, we could, we already have two characters, not one, two characters that we could use to, like, make a whole other spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it came after the fact. I think they realized that they had done such a good job in the first, in, in this episode, that they were like, let's, let's try this one more time. And that's where we got the backdoor pilot. Yeah, but I feel like they had to realize sooner rather than later because the I mean, the like you said, they have a whole backdoor pilot that they had to write, cast, like get the green light from NBC. Like they had a lot of things they had to do in a short yeah. amount of time. Well, but if I remember correctly, the backdoor pilot isn't until like maybe two or three before the end of the season. Yeah, no, it is. It's like 21, I think. Yeah. There's 24 episodes in season one. And I want to say it's like 21 or 22. Yeah. yeah, it's late in the season. So it didn't happen till later. Yeah, no, no, no. I know that. It's just like still in comparison, you still like if you think that like we're in October basically when this is airing and like by still the end of the season, they like had gotten the green light from NBC, written a pilot, casted it, shot it. Like mm-hmm. it's still a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. It's just crazy. I know. I know. This is the beginning. This might be the episode that spun off this entire universe. Probably is. It's crazy. Or at least by like, I can't remember what egg episode Voight exits in this arc, but like by the end of, I'd say it's like six or seven, by the end of six or seven, they probably, I can't imagine that they waited any longer than like, you know, a few episodes from now. Yeah. Well, and that's a good question when, when Hank exits air quotes to go to jail, because he's in the backdoor pilot, of course. Right, into, yeah. So then the penultimate or something has to have, like, some sort of passing mention to it, then. No, the penultimate has to, no, they've already, the backdoor pilot happens because of Hallie's death, remember? No, right, right, and and of course Hank's in that, so then does he go to jail? I think it's between this. That's what I, that's what I was asking, is I couldn't remember. If I now I'm like going back though, to now I'm going back to look up like what is Voight's uh Yeah, if I remember correctly though, it, it's a big deal that like Voight goes to like they make a there's a whole scene out of it. I mean, there has to be obviously because PD's not around yet. And so it probably happens somewhere in between the backdoor pilot yeah. and the end. 
Floyd's circumstances were eventually clarified with the creation of the spinoff Chicago PD. Uh, that's not what I want. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he goes to prison because that's... I'm reading this. In prison, he offers Gabby information on who shot Antonio, who was working undercover at the time. I don't remember that really happening, so, like... Antonio gets shot the first time on fire, right? Yeah, he gets... Basically, Voight gets arrested by Antonio, and then while Voight's in prison, he offers Gabby information on who shoots Antonio. Um... All of this yeah. is in season one? Yeah, and then basically IA releases Void and promotes him to intelligence. Damn. And yeah, I mean, season one's 24 episodes, but I definitely did not remember. I forgot how much happened. Oh, and then I, yeah, the, no, the, it is kind of chaotic because then um, there's also that, like, the cluster of episodes where Shay wants to have a baby with Sev. Yeah. And Renee, we're getting to share a Shahi oh, in this God. season. <laughs> so much. There's so much that happens. Season one of a new show is always fun because it's just chaos. They're just trying to find their footing. Well, and like I said, this gets 24 episodes. That's so, like, two more. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, especially in this day and age. That's a lot. Right. Right. So, okay. Next up, we've got Sev. The dreamiest blue eyes in all of Chicago. Of oh, Severide. Sweet, sweet Severide. Sweet, sweet Severide. Oh, goodness. Okay, so... The day after the drunk driving accident, Shay asks him, he's like, how's your arm? And he's like, oh, it's fine. Because, like, he definitely went to go grab a saw and was just kind of like, ow, pain, bad. Yeah. And so Severide's like, yeah, I'm I'm going to get it looked at. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get it looked at, you know. And Shay's just kind of looking at him like, stop bullshitting me. Just quit. Yeah. Like, ugh. So Vargas, of all people, who I think after this episode is only around for, like, maybe one more episode. I want to say it's a two because remember he gets injured. Yeah, and that's why he like he gets burned. Yeah, and we were confused AF. We're like, why did you? Why was he only around for like four episodes? Why would you only have a character in for the first four? That's weird. It's really weird. Yeah, and because it's not even like he because he's not even like Hadley. Where it's like Hadley, if he was around for a few episodes and then became bad, then like okay, yeah, that makes a little more sense. But like Vargas doesn't even come bad. He just isn't like there i'm trying to look up and see how many more episodes he's in but i will I find really that think it's like one more i want to say it's like one or two it's not that many yeah mm, let's see episodes season one let me just click on this all right cast let's see here i just saw all right mogalini i definitely did not remember that that was that guy's name um blah 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 he's been in some things yeah i i remember that he's we... eight episodes eight he's in one two three four five eight nine in season one and then he's in season three episode one no he's not yes he is no he's not <laughs> we never see him again after he leaves Apparently, I I want to say because that's the episode right after Shay's death. I want to oh, say he's that in maybe a he's in like, scene. yeah, I want to say he's in like flashbacks. Okay, yeah, he's which makes sense. But basically, he's here. I think five is maybe when he gets injured, and then like eight and nine is when he like retires. Hmm. So yeah, okay. no, he's in way more than I thought he was in. Yeah, but actually though, interesting. Anyway. Continue. 
Vargas tells Severide that he has completed his squad certification and he's putting in a transfer from truck to squad. Severide's kind of a dick about it. Uh, dick. yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a real bit. I mean, a real big dick. And so Sev's just like, well, why do you want to be on squad? And Vargas gives him the honest answer. He's like, for where I want to be, it's a good stepping stone to promotion. And Sev's just like, if that's the only reason you're in it. And he's like, nope, nope, it's not. It's not. Like, calm yeah. down. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sev just, Sev's not very nice about it. Which, like, I mean, he's a dick about it. And then when he tells Casey, Casey's completely indifferent about it. So what are we supposed to do here? Are you just, like... What is CFD culture? You try to promote yourself, but then, like, don't say anything about it? What do we well, do? Casey's indifferent. I mean, like, obviously, I think to him, he's like, it sucks that I'm losing someone, but, like, I think you're going to do a good job, you know, mm-hmm. at squad. Like, I'm not going to hold you back necessarily either. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, because Trek also has, like, 20 million people on it right now, so Casey could probably afford to, like, lose one person. But, yeah. Yeah. Truck has, like, 20 people on it <laughs> right now. So, Nikki Rakowski. Hello, Megan Fahey. She's back. Yeah. She's back. She is still flirting with Severide, and she asks him out to a concert. What I thought was so funny when he's, she's like, well, my buddies and I are going to see Cascade, and Sev just goes, what's Cascade? <laughs> I, do you, would, did you know who Cascade was? I do, but I thought it was, I thought it was pronounced differently. I definitely, I definitely did not know that to the spot that was who that was to the spot of i hang on <laughs> he is a dj i remember i feel like he had a hit song like a really long time ago long his time. debut single came out in 2001 so he is why oh he was nominated he was nominated he was getting nominated for grammys like back in kind of the early fire days so that makes sense Hmm. what was their most popular song or his most popular song was it one person oh cascades of mormon fun fact that seems like a very contradictory but what do i know okay so it's it's like kind of kind of it was edm music before edm was edm yeah, but he was really having a lot. Like I said, he was started getting nominated for Grammys around the same this time. So, like, makes sense. The point is, is that Kelly would have hated it. I also am not surprised that he had no idea who it was. I really don't think Seb listens to music. Do you remember that picture? I still have it on my phone of, like, I don't feel like Severide does much of anything. Like, he's not a reader. Like, Lula posted that at one time, remember Severide's, like, DVD collection? Yeah. And he had, like, there were there were some movies in there. I was like, Severide has Mean Girls? Severide does not watch movies either. Does he just, like, what does he do when it's not hockey season? Does he just sit in his chair and, like, wait? <laughs> <laughs> Is Severide a baseball fan? Do you think he's, like, watching the Cubs or the... He's a Cubs fan, right? Obviously, probably. I, I think so. I, I think all Chicago so sports like, he probably watches. Like, is he watching the Cubs in the, like, summer? I think so. So, yeah, yeah he just watches sports. Okay. I mean, does... Can you go year-round like that? What's... I... Hold on. I'm thinking. 
Well, since hockey goes, hockey goes to like April if you don't make the playoffs. It's like it follows basketball. Hockey goes to April if you don't make the playoffs. Obviously, it goes to like June if you make the playoffs. Baseball starts like end March, beginning of April. So like, yeah, and obviously goes till September. I mean, it basically, if they don't overlap, they're like bordering right at the edge of each other. And then September is when football season starts. Oh, yes. He, he's a Bears fan. So, yeah, duh. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's all he does. He goes home at night, sits down, and watches sports. That's watches all sports. he does. Yeah. And maybe he watches something else other than Chicago sports. Like, I can also see him if it's, like, a big, you know, fight on, you know, US, you know UFC or whatever. Like, yeah. he definitely – he's watching sports. He's only watching sports. Only. It. That's it. Chicago priority, but he's only watching sports. Okay. But, like, Stella has – Stella probably bullies him into watching something streaming with her. What is oh it? yeah, I have a feeling if Stella now in like the married Severide days, like I have a feeling if Stella wants to watch, like I'm sure there's a line, but I have a feeling if Stella wants to watch it, he's gonna watch it too. <laughs> and now that Molly's is open, he goes to Molly's, so he has like somewhat more of a life. He's not only watching sports. Yeah, okay. Stella gets him out of the house. Right, he has Molly's to go to, but at this point in life, he does not have Molly's to go to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, so um, Nikki flirts with him some more. I mean, look, shout out to her for being really bold. But he basically- Really bold. Oh, really bold. Yeah, he's just like, look, I'm not really known for my self-restraint, so I'm going to need you to meet me halfway and respect Bowden and your dad's wishes. She does not. No, she definitely does not. Um, She does the exact opposite of that because later on in the episode, she hands him a package and it's her underwear. Jesus Christ, woman. It's bold. Totally bold. Totally bold. Yeah. And so they go into the turnout room and they start making out. Thankfully. Like, go why ahead. is he making out in his helmet, though? Like, I'm like. <laughs> oh, that's not even half as bad as how this ends. I mean, I know. But, like, when he starts making out, like, he she puts the helmet on or whatever. And he, like they, like, making out. And he's still wearing the helmet. I was like, Jesus Christ. Because she like, likes why? it. She tells him. She's like, keep it on. I know. But it's just, like, ugh, I get, like, the icky chills. Just, like, I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Uh, and this this isn't even as bad as it gets. So, yeah, they're, they're making out. Thankfully, squad gets a call. So, like, that puts the kibosh on that. But later on, Nikki's dad stops by the firehouse to just check in, have dinner with Nikki, you know, whatever. And while this is going on, Bowden's like, has anybody seen Nikki? Well, she and Sev are making out in the turnout room. Again, only this time, Sev is shirtless and in his helmet. (laughs) Yeah. Like, think of a really bad romance novel cover. That's basically what this is. Ah, yeah, it's it's not great. I swear to God, like, because this is, the show gets roasted for this sometimes, like, still to this day. I feel like if this wasn't season one, episode three, this would probably be the moment the show jumped the shark. Well, and but the thing is, too, is, like, and I feel like this is obviously a sign of that the show has come a long way and we just have a society has come a long way. But if this wasn't 2012, if they were trying to do this now, like you said, it would just, they would get roasted. But I feel like because it was 2012, they got away with it. Not even because it's the beginning of the show, but like, if you told me this happened in season five, but it was still 2012, I feel like they still would have gotten away with it. I feel like this even made the soup for being like, so over Cringy. the top. Was the soup even still on in 2012? Let's find out. 
Yes, the soup was definitely on when I was still in high school. I feel like it made the soup. Hold on. Soup was on until 2020. Um, also, LOL, that you were still in high school in 2012. Uh, this is my senior year. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> yep. Yep, fire started my senior year. Okay, see, this it's so difficult when you try to search anything Chicago Fire, because then, like, the... The actual restaurants pop up in Chicago. The soccer team pops up. It's basically everything but what you're looking for. The soup show. So, yeah, and I just even, like, YouTube, like, Chicago Fire on the soup. And, like, the first thing that comes up is, like, the scene of the Firehouse 51 chili cook-off from season seven. And I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for either. (laughs) I don't know. We'll have to go. We'll have to do some more digging. Yeah, we will. We will. But that scene gets just completely roasted. Yeah. As it should, because, like, it's not great. It makes me think of that Rihanna song when she's like, You look so dumb right now. Uh, Actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah. So then she pops out of the turnout room and she's like, Hi, Daddy. And like, her hair is like all messed up, of course. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go get my stuff. I'll be back, whatever. And so in those like five seconds, Severide comes out, not even realizing that like Nikki just saw her dad and he's just kind of like, what's up? And yeah. the dad puts two and two together. Yeah. So, bad. Really bad. Really, really bad. So after their shift, uh, Shay actually meets up with Kendra and asks her for a favor. Hey, hey. I need to talk to you. That girl is in serious heat, and I'm not Gandhi. What? No, about your arm. Oh. Here. What's this? Friend of mine. Can I give her a heads up? Cool. Thanks. Yeah, your appointment's after shift. You said you were going to get your arm looked at. I know. I am. I will. I am. Okay, so I basically feel like you've been lying to me in order to get painkillers, and that's not really the quality I look for in a friend and a roommate. Part of me doesn't want to know. I get it. Of course, but the consultation's off the books. Just you and I will know, and we'll figure it out. All right. I love how Shay is, like, the only one who can actually communicate with Kelly. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, this is, like, the sever. I mean, the tiniest glimpse of the sever that we love, like, his vulnerability, um, you know, when he says, like, part of me doesn't want to know. Like, obviously, that's the reason why he's just been putting it off. It's, like, mm-hmm. Kelly. Yeah. But, like, Shay's giving him a really hard time. And if anybody else does it, he shuts down. But he knows Shay cares about him. Yeah. And he's going to end up addicted on painkillers. Yeah. Yeah. But I also just appreciate Shay that she's, like, listen, like, you know, I know you've been lying to me to do this, and, like, that's not really what I want in a friend. And, like, basically, if you don't stop, then, like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Right. Like, she's not afraid to end it because he's taking advantage of her. Nope. Nope. Which, like, the fact that she did it for as long as she did, they both could have gotten fired. Oh, yeah. That's insane. And, like, I feel like that would be criminal charges, too. Probably. Especially on Shay's part. Because she was the one distributing the... I don't know how it works with, like, you're taking the pills, but she was distributing them. So, yeah, definitely on Shay's part. 
Well, because think about on Station 19 when, um, what's his face? Not Ben. Um, Andy and what was his name? She was married to what, him. Sullivan? Yes. Yeah, so when Sullivan took the meds off of the, like, mobile. Oh, the, yeah, the Ben's whatever. Yeah. That I can't remember the name of. They got, sh- they got it shut down. Yeah, like he, I feel like, I, th- I feel like he was threatened with criminal charges, but like they, they ended Probably, up. Probably, like, but he stole them, like Ben didn't give them to him. Like, I wonder if like, I mean, at that point, Shay's basically the drug dealer. Yeah. Like, so I feel like Severide would have gotten maybe some charges, obviously, but like, I feel like Shay's would have been like 20 times worse. Mm-hmm. Like Sullivan acted alone in that instance. And like, Ben had no idea that he stole the stuff off of the, like, why can it not, it's some of the P, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't really, I can't think of it. Uh, should I catch up on Station 19, by the way? Yeah? I'm in a weird spot now. I don't know what to binge. It's good. I, I really liked it. I, I'm very in on it. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. Based oh, because it ended finger. with Jack, like, passing out, right? Uh, Yeah, well, no, bleeding. Like, like not just passing out. Bleeding. Didn't Grays also end with like Teddy dead on the floor or something? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't remember. But yeah, I'm a little worried that they might try to kill him off. I hope not. And also, Vic deserves better. They ruined my favorite ship on that show, but like. So, but it's still, I still like it. I I just like miss all my favorites. And I'm like, they can come back now too. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, like, I just don't know what to watch now. Cause like, I, like, I just kind of like sat in front of the TV the other night and was just kind of like, we're going to find a new show. And like, I started the pilot of Nashville, but I was like, do I really want to do this for five whole seasons of 23 episodes? Like that's a big commitment. I'm, I haven't really watched anything recently, but like I need, I think the next one I think I'd mentioned to you is I want to watch Outer Banks. Like, I feel like I'm trying to, like, either catch up on, like, a current show, like, a current streaming, well, currently airing, currently, I say in quotes, mm-hmm. show, or, like, I'm going to watch something that's, like, binge, like, you know, like, it's a streaming show. Like, I don't think I'm going to start a new network show. If I start catching up on Outer Banks, do you promise you're going to binge it? I've already said that's the next one I'm going to watch. Because, like, I don't want to commit I have a whole list up. over here somewhere. So I can discuss it with you and then you not binge it. Oh, you're not caught up? I'm not caught up. I'm like, the, the most recent season I haven't seen. I can't promise you that I will catch up as fast as you because obviously I've got more to watch and like no. I do read. So I balance between binging and reading. But I will. That's going to be the next one I watch when I start something. It's very shippy. Yeah, I know. I need it's good. It. I, need, I, need, I need some ship stuff. I, like, I, I need it. Yeah. I need it. I need and then you get like you get the added angst of it being in the Carolinas. So like that kind of adds to like the atmosphere. Oh, I love it. It's good. Because that's my only problem. Like I've been I'm like, well, I still have this week's episode to watch of Only Murders in the Building. That's become my new gym show. So like mm-hmm. I usually watch it at the gym. And like, so I'm almost caught up on it. But like I like and I really like it, but it's like it's not shippy. It doesn't do it for me in that regard. I'm like, it's not yeah. shippy. No. It's good, but it ain't shippy. Okay. okay. Anyway. Noted. Anyway, Severide goes to the appointment, and Kendra points out that he has he has a, a fracture in his spine. I yeah. totally forgot that like the whole reason for the pinched nerve stemmed from like a broken back. Yeah, Jeez. and that's like serious. I mean, that's like really, really serious stuff for sure. 
for sure. And Kendra even says, she's like, you're lucky that you're even feeling pain right now and like walking around. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, there's surgery we can do, but it's going to take you out for six months to a year. He's like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Yep. So Shay and Severide debrief and Sev basically tells her how he's feeling about it. Honestly, he's like, no, because if I, if I'm out a year, then, you know, the fire department's going to frown on it. And they're like, I'm done being a firefighter. That's it. And he just mentions, he's like, working squat is all I've ever wanted, all I have. If I have to eat the pain, then I will. I mean, that's great and all until you can't feel the pain anymore. Right. Or until you end up paralyzing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, I I think he kind of realizes how serious it is, but I feel like, I feel like he really doesn't realize how serious it is. I'd be in denial too if the doctor was like, "You have a fracture in your spine." I'd be like, "No, I don't." Yeah. So at the end of the episode, Nikki's dad shows up, and he's like, "Nikki's engaged." Like, I forgot about that. I forgot about that that she was engaged, and I was like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, I, I did too. But I love how he basically took the role of like the stern dad and had like the stern dad conversation. And Kelly just took it. He's like, does this conversation need to go any further? And Kelly, he's like, no, sir. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's it. Maybe one of the only good things early Kev- Kelly did. Jeez. So funny. But yeah, that's that's Kelly. Yeah. Kelly has a literal <sighs> pain in the neck literally yeah Yeah. so next up we get mills and uh, if you've forgotten that while mills is also going through being a candidate he's still working at his family's diner um that is his like days off job so he's putting the shift at the diner before going to the firehouse. So he got up at God's know how early to go work at the diner and then also go to shift. Kind of impressive. Yeah. Because I, God forbid, would not, like, I mean, I don't know what time you have to be at shift, seven, eight o'clock. But then he's like, oh, yeah, I got up at, like, however early and still did work before I went to the firehouse. Kind of crazy. Yeah. But he's got to go. I mean, he's, like, cutting it close. He's, like, waiting on his mom. He's, like, I fuck it i gotta go and his mom like chastises him on the way out she's like not happy that he's doing this she's like listen and he's like i don't know what you want me to do but like i'm new like i gotta go and so he pieces out and he comes in late he is a little late and everyone else is kind of like not making jokes at it but like kind of just like okay you were late but like kind of otherwise just gonna let it go and otis then starts chastising too and so Mills leaves to go change clothes and Cruz is like, you were the candidate up until two weeks ago. Like, what gives? And Otis is just like, the abused, abused Cruz. And I was like, Otis. I was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, who are you? Yeah. Otis I mean, Will just... is probably the worst pain in the ass, but Otis is like not great in this episode. No, Otis kind of, Otis took it a little too far. Otis really sucks. <laughs> because even later, so like, Otis keeps basically abusing Mills and like so Casey's gonna make them all run drills and so like Mills being the candidate has to run the drill and then because of the chastising and abuse Casey's like Otis you get to run drills too (laughs) and Otis is like come on and Casey's like sorry 
Um, but we also start to get the beginnings of Gabby and Mills because they run in each other in the bathroom and, you know, Mills runs the drill and basically sets a house record. And so, um, he's like, oh, well, can't be cocky if you can back it up. And Gabby's just like, you know, look, a lot of candidates with skill get their day in the sun, but how they handled the other six, 364, like, that's what keeps them around. So, like, we kind of get the beginning moments of Gabby and Mills, and obviously we know that's going to ramp up pretty soon, but... I loved Millstead. They were good for what they were supposed to be, which is the relationship before the big one. Have we ever, like, pondered the question of, like, did... Did they find their way back to each other? Like, did they still great down question. Wilmington? It's a great question. I don't know about Wilmington, but I could definitely see. I feel like at war. I feel like at best or at worst, they keep in touch. Like, I, I can't imagine they don't talk. Um. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, because it's like I feel like he either obviously ended up with Gabby or like or someone else which is like a lot like you know i feel like i i don't know like i i don't know i could totally see him being based out of wilmington and then like her you know going off to you know some random country to help out and coming back i could totally see that yeah i don't know i i don't know um it's like and who's to say that mills though still is in wilmington we don't know that no we don't know this is like the one chicago version of marvel's what if yeah what if what if millstead was endgame all along if we just didn't know it yeah what if millstead was really the big relationship and dossie was just like the in-between and it wasn't reverse yeah well obviously it wasn't reverse because casey doesn't end up with gabby but i digress Man. Anyway, so Mills' sister Elise stops by the firehouse and she's dropping off some like supplies because obviously Mills is doing all the cooking at this point. He's the candidate. And Mills just tells her he's done with the restaurant. And he's like, you know, mom just got mom just has to realize that dad loved being a firefighter and I'm not going to run from something I want to do to make my life with my life just to make her feel better. He's got a point. And Elise just he, he does have a point. And obviously all the Mills dad stuff comes to light very shortly. But, um, yeah, but Lisa's just like, listen, like, you know, mom is scared, too, and, like, she doesn't want to lose you like she lost dad. So, like, give her a little bit of slack, too. Where does Mills rank so, on the daddy issue continuum? He's not at the top. No. Uh, he's, I feel like, because he didn't have, like, total daddy. I mean, he had daddy issues after his dad was already gone. Like, he didn't have daddy issues while his dad was still alive. There's still daddy issues. I guess, but, like, or is it more Bowden? He has more Bowden issues than he does. Or was it more mommy issues because technically his mom cheated on his dad? All of it. <laughs> okay, but I don't feel like his daddy issues are as big as, like, say, Severides or Connors. So I feel like he ranks somewhere, like, in the middle. Yeah, I think I'm using Kevin as, like, the middle middle. It's less than Kevin. Yeah, the middle is Kevin. And then I would say Mills is probably like one or two steps below that. More on like the... More on like the Ruzik. He's somewhere between Atwater and Ruzik. If Ruzik's towards the bottom of the scale... Do you think he has more daddy issues? you think he has more daddy issues than Ruzik? No. I think Mills is like middle, maybe towards the bottom. That's what I'm saying. I think think he's... 
somewhere. I feel like Mills is like down there with like Gabby. I feel like I put Mills above Gabby, but like down there on like the Gabby side of the scale. I don't know if I'd put Gabby at the bottom bottom. Who would you put at the bottom bottom? I don't know. As we go through these episodes, I feel like we're going to just keep revisiting this conversation of like. I feel like I should like diagram Write it this out. down. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should like make an official like chart. I don't. Well, no, I don't think I would put Gabby at the bottom bottom. Or maybe I would. I don't know. I just feel like her Gabby, her daddy issues are really more contained to like an arc. Yeah. Like it's not like, I don't think I would have said she had daddy issues before season six. Yeah. But Mills, or, yeah. Is, Mills is further down the scale. He's 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 below Atwater, but like I he... think I'd put Gabby at the bottom. I think I'd put him somewhere between like Atwater and Ruzik and like Gabby. Somewhere in that like bottom half. Bottom tier. I would put him down near Ruzik and Gabby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So this part of the storyline ends, it kind of goes into the replacing the TV part too. But like Mills basically brings them to the restaurant because to watch the Bears game, which we'll get to in two seconds. And Mills' mom pulls Casey aside and lets him know she's like, I don't really sleep when Mills is on shift. And Casey just reassures her. He's like, I'll look after Mills. Sweet, sweet Casey. And like, you know, he meant it too. Yeah. Casey being that lieutenant that we always knew he was, that leader. We always knew he was. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So last up, we've got the storyline about replacing the TV. So the TV basically goes out just like days before the big bears game. And so Mouch puts a sign out on the curb for donations. And Mills is just like, you can do that. And he's like, yeah, it's a, it's frowned upon, but it's not illegal. So, and they're trying to figure out how much they have in their slush fund, like how much money. And, Herman's like, we don't have any money because we got that elliptical so Shay could keep her ass toned. And she goes, oh, Herman, please. Everybody benefits from me having a toned ass. Yes, That's honestly like a top tier quote too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. So Casey puts Mills in charge of fundraising because, you know, rookie hazing, basically. So Mills pitches some ideas for a fundraiser. uh, But the only one that's accepted is selling t-shirts on the curb only because he proposes having Nikki sell them. That's another thing you could not get away with in 2023. No, 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 no. Nope. It's like, oh yeah, let's use this girl for her looks to buy guys in, or to get guy con guys into buying shit. Like, no, nope. no, 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 nope. Uh, that does not hold up. It does not hold up. Not one bit. Yeah. So I love the moment when Otis, like Shay makes the joke and Otis is like, are you kidding? I can't tell. I genuinely cannot tell. And then she's like, I'm about as serious as putting you in a bikini. And he's like, yeah, no, we shouldn't do that. No. Yeah. So yeah, they, they raise a couple bucks. They or yeah, they raise a couple hundred dollars. So they, they end up raising like 342 bucks, which they instead use to help build the kid from the accident, a new wheelchair ramp. Which, yeah. like, in 2023 prices, 340 bucks probably covered, like, one I was going to, I was, like, when they, like, said that, I was, like, okay. And then I, like, see the ramp they built, and I was, like, there's no way you can buy all that lumber for $342. No, No way. All. Not at all. It maybe covered a toolbox, but, like, that's it. 
Well, Casey already has the tools. He works in construction, so they didn't need to buy tools. True, but it's just the lumber. It, yeah, it probably would have bought. It probably would have bought them like a good like fourth of the lumber, <laughs> maybe half, maybe. I feel like I mean a ramp of that size probably cost way more than twelve hundred bucks. That's what I'm saying. Is like I was like, oh, three hundred forty dollars. They could do like a little, like you know, tiny little wheelchair ramp. And then I saw this like monster thing, and I was like, what? The f-? I was like, I mean, that's amazing that they did that. But I was like, there's no way they only did that with three hundred forty-two dollars. Yeah, no yeah. way. That's the episode. That is one hundred three. Yep. Void is in yep. the picture. Yep, crazy. Yeah. So. From, we go from the fake Justin in this episode to the real Justin in the next one. Well, and it's kind of crazy that, like, this is the way it lines up, that, like, Justin's getting out of prison for what happened in this episode, yeah. in the PD episode. Yep. Kind of crazy how that works. It is crazy how that works. So let's stretch it out. It's PD time. Yes. There's a lot of things happening in this one. Lot. There's a lot. And a lot of it I forgot. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is something that happens yeah there's like a couple of iconic pieces of dialogue in this one episode well and there's like again like you said there's a lot happening and again this is how the early seasons of pd went like yeah there's the case but like everybody has something yeah and like i forgot about like all the rusik stuff i forgot that the jay um stuff had the lonnie stuff happens in this episode i was like oh my god there is literally so much that happens yeah Definitely, definitely and then they reference fire what's happening on fire act like it's like oh my god so much happening yeah yeah that too that too okay get us started please okay so we're gonna start off with void because again void had the first sub scene so that's how we roll so episode starts with void meeting d'anthony who is the kid from the pilot he they meet him for breakfast and we obviously didn't cover the pilot this go round, but that's a big part of the whole pilot and how Boyd gets introduced. So Boyd is trying really hard to get D'Anthony out of Chicago and he is on his agreed to come for him to come and stay with her, but it's going to be like 24, 48 hours before she can come pick him up. Um, Cause she's driving from like Pennsylvania or whatever. And D'Anthony's supposed to do another hit with this gang. He's kind of starting to get involved with and Boyd's like, well, you can come stay with me. And D'Anthony just is like, no, that's not going to work, whatever. And D'Anthony, as he's leaving, he's like, I'm trusting you, man. So it's like, is Voight going to come through? Um, I don't know. So we'll get to the case in, you know, a second. That's a separate section. But Voight calls Aaron into his office and tells her that Justin's getting early release. And Which, again, I forgot Josh Cigar showed back up in this early in season one. Mm-hmm. Um. And so Justin, of course, wants Aaron to be there. And so Aaron's, like, really excited. She's like, yeah, of course I wouldn't miss it. And so she's excited, but Voight seems hesitant. And he's like, you know, getting out is always harder than getting in. And she's like, you know, come on. Like, Justin's going to need you. Like, that tough love thing. It didn't work. No. No, no. it did not work. No, and it there's a point work. made in the in the fire episode we just did. Like, uh, Hank kind of admits to Casey. He's like, look, like, I wasn't around for him. I was always working. And yeah. so it kind of those combined it just kind of I feel like I feel like once Camille died he like checked out like he didn't know how to deal with his own emotions and so he just like checked out and Justin just like ran amok but that's kind of and we'll talk about it as we I think go through season one and see you know what happens with Justin for him to ultimately end up in the army but we kind of see that happen again too like boy kind of takes a tough love like 
I'm going to be more present, but I'm still going to be tough on you approach. And like, it didn't work that time either. Because uh, Buster Justin still ends up in trouble. So um, we can kind of talk, see that progression again, too. And like the parallels as we go on. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. So Boyd's got, Boyd's got a couple of different things. So he leaves to go talk to the gang later that D'Anthony's working for about D'Anthony and tells him, he's like, I want him out. And he's like, gives him this business card. He's like, this is your jail out of free jail free card. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm not going to take that. He's like, I want 10K. He's like, that's the only way, way D'Anthony will get out. The ball's on Voight to just like demand things and think they're going to happen. Well, and the fact that Voight thinks that like, I mean, granted, I know he's done it before. It is work for him in the past, but that he like can just give someone his business card and be like, this is, I'm going to definitely get you out of jail. Like, if you call me, I'll get you out of jail. And it's like, okay, what if you don't get him out of jail? Exactly. Like, you don't know, you can't predict the future that every single time someone uses it to call you that you're going to be able to successfully get him out of jail. Right. Like, yeah, you may be able to get a gang leader out of jail, but, like, if someone commits murder, like, are you going to be able to get him out of jail? Anyway. Wait. Just void things, unfortunately. <laughs> So Voight goes to meet with Maurice because we're back in the early days of PD. We've still got Maurice around. And he asks him about the guns from the case, which, again, we'll get to in a second. And Maurice is like, yeah, I'm in Canada, but it doesn't make much sense. And Voight's like, well, that makes sense to me. So, okay. And Maurice asks him about Trezel, or Voight asks the guy about Trezel, who's the gang leader that D'Anthony's dealing with. And Maurice is like, he's crazy. Don't listen. He doesn't listen to nobody. Like, you better watch out. And then Maurice also mentions, he's like, listen, I heard that the state's attorney's building a case on me. Have you heard anything? Boyd's like, nope, hadn't heard anything. And Maurice just gives him 5000 He's like, there's more than that, where that comes from when you give me a name. I'm so confused. You don't remember? That Why is Maurice basically... paying him? Because, oh, because he, he has, had to appear has... dirty. Well, and Maurice has, Maurice pays Void to basically, like, be there and, like, have him on his payroll that like basically if Maurice causes trouble then Voight can get him out of trouble and Voight's going through as appearing dirty to Maurice because that was the deal on why Voight got up early is he would appear dirty and you know that's why he's working with Grandishaw like the Uno reverse card it's so confusing yeah yeah so anyway so Voight then uses Al because, of course, he it's him and Al, always a team, to kidnap Trezel. So and bad. they beat him up. And basically, they're like, D'Anthony's out. It's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. Yep. Ooh. I mean, they're, they're very close to beating him to death, honestly. Pretty much. They're very close. Did you catch how everybody it's... called Al O in this episode? I thought that was sweet. Yeah. I, I caught, I think, Voight doing it. I don't think I caught, like, everybody doing it. Adam does it at one point. Yeah. Which I thought was sweet. But also, like, the police brutality in season one is bad. It's really bad. Really bad. It's really bad. And it's just crazy to me that we all kind of, like, turned a blind eye to it in 2012. It may, I mean, I, I'm sure there was a contingent of people who did not. But for the majority, people were like, oh, yeah, sure. PD. Yeah. I was, I felt bad for like I, I felt bad for not batting an eye at it once it, once it was pointed out how much police brutality is in t- like a lot of tv shows i was just like oh shit and i like normalized it 
in all these shows when I shouldn't yeah. have. Like I felt I was yeah. like kind of frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. It the, this is not great. It's Mm-mm. really not great. And unfortunately it just gets worse from here. Yeah. So they get back to the 21st and Voight tells Lindsay, he's like, I can't be there for Justin and you're going to have to go get him out of jail yourself. And she's, I mean, she's pissed and she kind of, I was surprised that Voight let her, I mean, granted, she doesn't say like give up much, but like it's in the kind of basement area of 20, the 21st, whatever you Mm want to call it, the garage area, wherever, where the cage is. And like everyone else is kind of around. And so I was surprised Voight didn't be like, shut up, like. That I'm surprised because she kind of lets it out and she's not quiet about it. And so, like, that Voight was kind of letting her, like, air their business out in front of the rest of the unit. I was kind of surprised about that. Well, um, I, and the other uh, part of that, too, is that Voight knows that Aaron's right. Yeah. Like, it's fucked up. You're not going to be there because, like, you not being there is what put him in there to begin with. And the thing is, if he had just said, like, explain to her why he wasn't going to be there she wouldn't have a problem with it and i don't think justin would have had a problem with it because what he's doing yeah he can go meet justin for dinner later and like yeah it's kind of fucked up that he's not going to be there when his own son's getting out but like what he's doing is arguably way more important and if he had just said that to aaron and justin i think they would have at least understood they may not have still been happy but i think it would have been like okay see i don't know if i agree with that he could have easily sent Aaron or Antonio or someone to go handle that. I don't think he could have, though, because D'Anthony wouldn't have trusted them. It was about that this Void is the one who set up, got set up with this kid in the pilot. Like, I, I don't think he could have. But I think if he at least even mentioned to Aaron, like, explained a little bit, I think she would have not at least been yelling at Void. Like, I think it, she would have probably understood a little bit more. Fair. I don't know. I, I don't really agree with him for, you know, making his son the second priority there. I mean, both of them were equally important, but your son is getting out of jail and trying to be on the right path and you not being there does not help that. I think the thing is, though, and like, I agree. I don't think he should. I But I think he could have been late. Like, I think he could have done both. Yeah. Like, I think he even could have met them at that Italian restaurant, whatever the name of it is. Like, you know, like, I think like, yeah, he may not have been there like the moment Justin got out, but like, he still could have been there to celebrate, like been there. Like, even if he was like 30 minutes late, like, I think that would have gone over way better than him just not showing up at all and not telling everyone why he didn't show up. Yeah. And going back to his old tendencies of just like, he's not sure what to do with Justin. It just shows that. Yeah. He thinks he's going to do something this time around. And as we say, he, he's not. Until... I don't think he knows any other way to parent other than tough love. So like when Aaron says the tough love thing didn't work, he's kind of at a loss. He's like, I don't really know what to do. Well, especially like with someone who's still trying to formulate who they are. Like obviously when Justin comes back, like the military formulated who he is. So like Voight as a parent figure to Justin at that point is a totally different person because Justin doesn't need that from him. But right now Justin needs a parent and Voight mm-hmm. can't be that. Nope. Or Voight, Justin needs someone that, like, can help formulate him and, like you said, send him on the right path. And that is definitely not Voight. But Voight, as just, like, a parent who to a kid who doesn't need that, he's fine. Right. But it is kind of crazy that, if you think about it, Voight was able to be that parent for Lindsay. He got yeah. Lindsay on the right path. And he couldn't get his own biological child on the right path. Yeah, that is kind of weird, isn't it? So it was, like, how much of it was Voight and how much of it was just Justin? Or is it the combination of both? Like, Lindsay probably wanted on some level to have 
someone to that for her because that's what Bunny never did. Mm-hmm. But Justin probably didn't want that, especially I assume after his mom died. He wanted that he wanted to rebel, whereas Lindsay did not. Is the vibe I get. I see that. I see that. I also see that like I could also see it as Voight using Aaron as kind of like a second chance or a chance at redemption because like he kind of like in his own mind maybe he thinks he failed Justin and so Aaron is a chance to get it right. I kind of remember though, but like, wouldn't Justin have lived with them like? Because Lindsay came, I'm trying, like, that, they've never made a ton of sense on that timeline either of, like, at what point in her life did Lindsay come to live with, like, the Voights? And, like, because I assume, obviously, Justin's younger than her, so I assume if she was still living under Voight and Camille's care, then Justin was, too. So, like, you're telling me that Voight gave up on his, on Justin, like, way earlier? There's, there's a way to figure out the timeline here. I remember she came to live with the Voights when she was 15. Um, but right, and how much younger is Justin? Justin's got to be at least like two or three years younger, right? That I don't remember. So the year, the 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 whatever season it is that Nadia dies, it's her thirtieth birthday. End of two. End of two. Is okay, end so of two. That is her turning thirty. Now we had the other scene earlier this this past season where, uh, oh no, Hank was at Al's grave. There there is a scene somewhere in the history of the show where Hank is at Justin's grave. And it tells you what year he was born and what year he died. And so that from there, you can kind of do the math. That's a lot of math. No, I know. But like, it's the way we find the answer. No, I know. We'll get there eventually. We'll get there. But my point is, is that like, if Justin is, say, even just two years younger, say, we assume that the math is done and it's two years younger. Yeah. Well, if Aaron comes to live with them when she's 15, then Justin's 13. So you're telling me that Voight gave up on Justin, like, if you were saying that, like, Aaron was the second chance... But like that would have had to happen concurrently of Justin throwing up. Does that yeah, make sense? And Camille died while Aaron and Justin were still there. Right. That's what I'm saying. The timeline still in that regard doesn't make a ton of It ton doesn't. Of and you hear Justin refer a lot to the life insurance. So I feel like Camille dying just happened prior to the show starting. I don't know. Or, like, prior to fire. Like, just prior to fire starting. I don't know. It's a mystery. The fo- This goes back to Voight's timeline really being screwed up. Like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. a lot of people's timelines don't make sense. But Voight's especially makes a, not a lot of sense. There's a um, J-tidbit later on in this episode that I was like, that, the math isn't mathing. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so they have that conversation. Aaron's pissed, but Void's like, I, I'm not showing up. So Justin gets out. He has his moment, and Aaron is there waiting to greet him. Um, And he's like, again, it's just, like, weird to see, because I think of Justin Gard just in, like, a very different way. Like, it's weird to see him being this, like, cocky Justin Voight, because I think of him as, like, Justin Voight when, like, he has a kid. He's with Olive. Like, he's way more, like, subtle. And for Justin to be, like, this, like, yeah Priya last like I just like I'm like that's not the Justin Boyd I picture in my head and like he goes so far as like he kisses Lindsay and like she's like dude like what the fuck and which again would not have gone over doesn't go over now definitely kind of got away with it because it was 2012 yeah um because like she doesn't even like at some point she like does she's like appalled but she's like doesn't make it like a huge deal and I feel like now if that happened it's like yeah um and, like, also, it's just weird because, like, they were kind of raised towards the end as, like, brother-sister. So, like, 
it's, it's just it's weird it's yeah really weird. and that's how aaron takes it she's like dude like what the fuck so Voight meets with Grandishaw, and again Grandishaw is all about like she wants to take maurice down like it's got to happen now and so she knows that Voight, well, she says she knows that, like, Voight got money from Maurice, and so she tries to take it from him, but he's like, oh, nope, he didn't have it this week, like, I don't know what, I, I didn't have any money. But then you see the episode ends with Voight and D. Anthony, they wait for his aunt, as promised, the aunt shows up, and Voight gives her the $5,000 that he got from Maurice, and uses, you know, tells her to use it to, you know, do whatever she needs to do for D. Anthony, like... And, yeah, it ends up on a good moment with Voight. And I keep thinking about how, like, the show could have gone totally differently. Like, because they had these moments in the beginning of, like, Voight presenting himself as dirty. But then he does something like this and you're like, oh, he's still, you know, there's still a chance for him to change. Like, he can become good. Like, he can leave the dirty stuff behind. And then, like, obviously they did not go that way. But I'm like, you could have gone there. Like, you could have gone there. It was set up to go that way. I mean, I feel like they still do that to this day, though. There's, and I, every episode, I'm just like, okay, so is Voight good or bad? This is really getting annoying. Like, what I know, but at this point, no, but I'm just saying, like, in the beginning, it makes more sense, right? Because you're like, oh, he's presenting himself as bad, but he's not actually bad. He's good. And they could, I, I, like, if you had told me, and I don't remember this, but like back in season one, I would have thought surely by at least like maybe season three or four, he would have maybe like switched way more to good we're going into season 11 that's the problem it's like we're going into back in season one there was still hope because we were only in episode three Mm -hmm. so it's like oh there's plenty of time for him to turn good and then now we're going into season 11 there's no way like yeah they present it that way but like there's no way he's actually going to change at this point he is who he is yep so it's just kind of crazy to see like the hope was definitely there and like we're going into season 11 and it's not happening the giant question mark yeah yeah so the case is a totally separate component in this episode i feel like in seasons now they would have taken the d anthony thing and like made that the case well that's what i'm saying is like you had the case and then everyone else had stuff whereas now like the character, the main character of the episode, like, this would have been a Voight episode, and like you said, the D'Anthony would have been the case, so we would have gotten none of the other stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It's just crazy. It's so differently. It's so different. So, we've got two unrelated wire investigations, and surveillance basically followed three of the top-ranking gang targets to one house. So, they sit outside the house, they find someone showing up, and he gets shot as soon as he knocks on the door. Not a good day. So, no. they, they move in, and they end up finding a bunch of cop killer bullets, which are, they're, like, treated in a certain way so that they can pierce Kevlar, hence the name, cop killers. Um, and a ton of insulin boxes where the bullets were being stored. So... Aaron finds the source of the insulin. It's a company near Toronto. It's Canadian. So it's being smuggled in. And the sales rep for this company basically makes a run to Chicago every other week and just so happens to have left this same day. Uh, This conversation between Antonio and Aaron, the the fist bump moment here. It's so funny. It's so funny. Still to this day, it's hilarious. I just love that. The dad move. Such a dad move by Antonio. (laughs) I hate that. If that's your move, I'd rather high five. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Yeah. And then he does exactly that. And she's like, no, never again. Never again. It's good. So baby Birdswater, little bitty babies. They track down the sales rep. 
he's dead too. Yep. Uh, and the car has been completely ransacked. And so intelligence shows up and they're just kind of piecing the clues together. And Alinsky's like, wait a second, take a look at the cup. There's lipstick on the lid. So somebody was with them. And we find out that they're looking for Canadian C7s. It's a variant that's used by the Canadian Army. When I hear variant now, I think of Loki every single time. Like, every time. <laughs> uh, so an armory in Canada had just been robbed, and 3,000 rounds of ammo and 50 C7s were stolen. Great. Casual. Casual, yeah. Not a worry at all that a bunch of ammo and long guns were stolen. Yeah. Yeah. No. So... The woman driving down with the driver was his wife, of course. So Aaron and Jay bring her in for questioning and she seems totally shocked by the news. She's like, no, like we always stay at this hotel and I go shopping because we don't have Bloomingdale's in Canada, all this stuff. They find out that she was stone cold lying. Mm -hmm. They go back to her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I was visiting an ex-boyfriend and we get an iconic line from Aaron and an iconic line from Jay. Yeah. Because you hear it all the time. Erin puts the folder down. She's like, we're going to get real honest real quick. Yeah. The J line, though, is so, it's so good. It's so J. It's just like, yeah, like it's just sassy J started so early. So if early. You're going to lie. Put some effort in it for me. I miss it so the, much. Well, yeah, just the delivery. Like every time I hear, like if I, like I can hear him saying it. If you're going to lie, just put some effort in for it. Like I just like, it's so good. I miss him. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So the the wife walks Aaron through her day and she mentions, she's like, well, my husband got a call from my nephew who lives here. So enter this guy, Mike. He's got a rap sheet. He's been making calls to a phone registered to this pawn shop. Antonio and Algo pay the guy a visit and he just like, and I quote, introduces people. Introduces people. Um, so <laughs> There's a moment inside the store where the guy is like, Al, you make me nervous. He's like, last time you were here, you took a nine iron to my jewelry case. And so Al's like, well, let me see that on the wall. And it's like a chainsaw and he walks out with it. Yeah. Casual. And he's just so, ca- I, the thing that I loved about Al, especially in the beginning, is Al's just so casual about the way he handles everything. It's like, so like the guy says, it's like intimidating, but it's also like, not like Al being like big and burly. He's just like, he is who he is. He's just so casual about it. I just, I love it. I feel like we took him for granted while we had him. Oh, we totally did. We totally did. I wish that we could have had more Al. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like by the end, they were not, obviously they were not doing enough with Al, but in the beginning, while he was still, like they were writing for him and like had all the dimensions to him, like it was, we definitely took it for granted. He'd be so proud of Kim and Adam with Michaela. Oh, my God. Yeah. He'd be so proud. Uncle Al. Oh, my God. Uncle Al and Aunt Trudy. Yeah. But instead, we just get Aunt Trudy. Which is fine. Just we miss Al. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy at the pawn shop sets a buy with Gans for the next day. And so Gans shows up for the buy. He wants someone to go with him to get the money. So he's basically like we're gonna get in the car and go and antonio's like no we're not doing that like that's not part of the plan and i was like nah i got it don't worry uh and even as antonio was like what are you doing i was like he's a cupcake don't even worry like it's cool so yeah. jen i totally forgot he was in this episode he just pops up so casually like he's around but he's like not all really around and i'm like he oh yeah he's there 
He's not dead yet. Not yet. No, no. Not yet. So Jin loses signal for a second. He's like, I can't hear Al. Like something's wrong, but he gets him back. So they bring Al to some sort of warehouse and the code word is Christmas for the takedown. So the minute he sees the guns and gets the money, he's like, oh, it's like Christmas morning. So everybody comes in. They arrest Gans. That's great. He's closed. I do love the moment when uh, Al's like, Al's got him in cuffs and he's walking. He's like, so when you tell the story in Gen Pop, the radio was in my belt. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. But yeah, they arrest the guy and case closed. Just another day in intelligence. Casual. Casual. Yep. This Antonio bit is so sweet. I know. And then now's like I was going to say, now's the point where we're getting into like five other storylines. They're all like super tiny. Yeah. yeah. Because like I said, everyone literally has something going on at this point. Mm -hmm. And this is back when Antonio and Laura were still happily married. All like five seconds of it. I was going to say, I don't know really how much it lasted past this episode, but. She leaves him at the end of one, doesn't she? Is that the end of one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because season two is where Antonio's working for the sex club, and they're definitely not married at that point. <laughs> or not working for the sex club, working for the people who go to the sex club. Ah, uh, the sex club. That's Memories. season two. And he's definitely not married to Laura at that no. point. That's the reason he has the second job. Yep. So. Yeah, must be. Jesus. All the lines, timelines, they blur together. I don't know what happens anymore when. <laughs> but Anyway. So Antonio and Laura are in the kitchen and they're talking about how they're, she's going to let Diego stay at home one more day because he hasn't obviously gone back to school yet. And so Antonio, while he's there, like it's a call from Jasmine, who's one, the one of his CIs that we met, you know, in the previous episode. And Laura's like, I want to meet her. And Antonio's like, no, that is not a good idea. And Laura's like, I don't care what you say. Set it up. Like it's happening. And Antonio's just like, what the fuck? Like, what's going to go on? Like, I don't know. Like, this is not going to be great. And so Antonio, this is now we're in intelligence. And Antonio, this is just like one little moment. But Antonio sees Ruzik like trying to take a seat at Jules' old desk. Because obviously Ruzik hasn't picked a desk yet. Because that's how far new into this we are. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to take this one. And Antonio like tells him to back off. And he's like, I'll tell everyone when someone can use it. And so Ruzik backs off. There's another vacant desk somewhere. So Ruzik just decides to go take that one. But like the feels of Antonio, because he like goes to at that point, like pull Jules's picture out of his desk. And so like just the feels of seeing him like pull it out of her desk, pull the picture out of his desk. I was like, oh my God. Oh, big time. And even, even until his last season, he had Jules's initials on his gun holster. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. The, the, oh God. Why am I blank? Looch. Oh my god, I was like the PD version of Lulo. Um, yeah, Luch <laughs> posted a picture of like one day of uh, you know, the like Antonio's props and he had Jules's initials on the holster, which I thought was such a good touch. Uh, but that's yeah. another missed opportunity. Think of how quickly from Jules's death right into Diego's kidnapping, Antonio went. And he kept working. Yeah. He probably should have like- Well, I feel like at some point, like you said, he yeah, probably should have gone to see a therapist. Probably. At least. And then Laura leaves him. So, like, he really should have gone to see a therapist. And, like, he probably... Because he went from, like, Jules died. Yeah, it's like, Jules died, Diego got kidnapped, and then Laura leaves him. So, like, all within and, the span of a very quick time. 
Laura leaves him partly because he won't stop working. Right. Exactly. Um, a lot of but also speaking of missed person. opportunities, you were talking about missed opportunities and how Antonio obviously wore Jules's initials on his belt, you know, basically until Antonio was gone. And I feel like obviously once they kind of hit the point, they like, I, Alan comes back, I want to say, like, maybe once or twice more, Jules's husband. But, like, they really obviously then at that point kind of dumped that whole thing. And it's, like, obviously, clearly, Antonio and Jules didn't even work together for that long. Like, it wasn't until he came to intelligence that he started working with her. Mm-hmm. And so, but clearly it made an impact on her. And it, But that's just another thing, too. They, like, basically left that in season one. They were like, okay, we'll never mention Jules again. Like, we literally never got another Jules reference until never yeah (laughs) even when antonio left like never yeah so crazy yep but basically so antonio meets with jasmine his ci outside the station and asked her about the cop he uses the excuse of like the cop killing bullets but really it's just an excuse to get her to go to dinner and like she's excited because she like kind of has like a tiny crush on him so she's like oh you're asking me out on a date like okay who can blame her i mean yeah obviously he's looking good y'all can confirm. He is very. Yeah. Yeah. So Jasmine shows up for dinner with Antonio and obviously sees Laura and she tries to back out. But Laura's like, no, 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 no. And we get this. Hi, it's, uh, it's nice to finally meet you. Look, Mrs. Dawson, I get it, okay? Nobody wants their husband to hang out with someone like, like me. But you know what? Let me tell you something, okay? I got no designs on him, and he's got none on me, so if we're done with this little face-to-face... Wait. Wait. I I wanted to give you this. It's, um... St. Nicholas. The patron saint of children. You helped save our son's life. I just wanted to thank you, personally. Why didn't you tell me this is why you wanted to see her? Because you're my brother. Nobody's wife has ever thanked me before. This scene is, like, so good. It's such a beautiful gesture on Laura's part. It really is. It really is. And it's just, like, it kind of is crazy to me, like, where where they take her path down. Because, like, she becomes such a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I get why she, like, divorced Antonio. Like, I get it. Like, you know, like you said, he wouldn't stop working and she was going through stuff and their family was going through stuff and she felt abandoned. Like, I get all that. But then I even think about, like, later seasons where, like, Antonio's trying to like have the relationship with Brett and she's like all cold to Brett like she's just like she's not having anything after that point she's like fuck you and like she's done so like she when Eva gets kidnapped and Laura bitch slaps him that's what I'm saying <laughs> but even not even on that point it's like Brett's trying to be a good person to your son and like all you want to make is like comments and it's like come on Brett is an angel how could anybody be mean to her that's what I'm saying and she's like fuck you basically man yeah so anyway but yeah that's the antonio stuff yep 
So then we've got Ruzik, because Ruzik's got some stuff going on too. Uh, yeah, so Ruzik mentions to Al that his engagement party is on this coming Friday. And instead of Al just being like, too bad, you got to miss it, or just like making some snide comment, he goes, where's my invite? So funny. But like, I feel like Adam responds pretty harshly. He's like, oh, hey, baby, this is my partner who is divorced and lives in the garage. But don't worry, that'll never happen to us. I think it's partly, though, I think he makes it comic, too, because, like, obviously, at this point, Wendy has no idea that Al, that Ruzik even has a partner. Yeah. So, like, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is my partner. And it's like, what do you mean, partner? Like, Al cannot show up at this point until yeah. Wendy knows. But Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they and they set a date. It's in six months. So on the call, Adam gets his first, like, kill, basically. Um, on Flashpoint, they call it the solution. But if I say solution, nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. So um, I yeah, would not so have known what you were talking about. He he gets his first like takedown. He basically has to shoot the guy because he's coming at him with like a weapon. And Adam's fine. He's just like not even phased by it, which I really think is just genuinely at this point in his life. That's Adam. That's just Adam being Adam. Yeah. So as they're coming back into the station, Al asks Ruzik, he's like, did you see a counselor yet? And Ruse is just like, why would you even ask me that? Like, I'm fine. What, what are you doing? Like, I don't need a counselor. And Jay asks him the same thing. And Ruzik's like, you know, everybody keeps asking me that. And Jay is not really having it. He's like, you've been on the job 10 minutes. Like, what are you talking? Like, who are you talking to right now? Why are you talking to me like that? Yeah. Yeah. And just sets him straight. And I mean, you kind of see the contrast, right? The two military guys are like, you need to see the counselor. Like, you haven't seen him yet. And Adam just doesn't understand. He's like, why are they still getting on me for this? Like, I don't I don't need it. Why? Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. So Ruzik does meet with the counselor, and it goes about as well as you would expect an Adam Ruzik counseling session to go. Perfectly honest, Doc. I'm pretty thrilled with the way that it went down. You give me a him or me choice, uh, I'm going to make it the same way every time. People can feel conflicted about something, even if it is justified. Well, I'm not, Doc. I'm not. What? Conflicted. You're not married. Are you in a relationship? You ask me out, Doc. I have a girlfriend. She's my fiance as of about a month ago. How does she feel about what you've been through? I haven't told her. Most of us, at one time or another, meet challenges that we can't explain. Just, are you trying to make me feel bad? Is that what you want to hear? Not at all. OK, are we done? I would like for you to take the rest of this shift off. I kind of just think about the juxtaposition of Ruzik in this session with the counselor. And then obviously later on now that where we're at with like when Ruzik goes with Burgess to the count, like to her counselor and the way he acts in the counseling sessions or even in like any time here more recently where Ruzik's had to like meet with someone. I'm like, the like we've really come so far, Big time. so far. Big time. And I, I really think in this episode, it's just Adam really does not feel phased. I really think he doesn't. I think at this point in his career, he's so new and so like in such a go get him mentality that he's like, this is part of the job. I'm fine. I'm totally not phased by this at all. I really think he was genuinely like, no. Like, I think what their concern is, though, is that like, yeah, he may not be phased right now, but like give it 
three months from now and like then it's gonna hit him and he's gonna be like oh fuck like i probably should have talked with somebody when it happened yeah because also the whole time in this episode like he'll periodically ask for updates and be like how's the guy and everybody's like he's still in the icu he's still in a coma so then we get to the engagement party at the end and adam's on the phone and he gets off and wendy comes outside and she's like what's going on and this happens hey baby Who's on the phone? Uh, that was, um... Adam. All right, look, listen, I want to bring you in on something, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, they didn't pull me out of the academy to do paperwork. They pulled me out to work in intelligence. I'm sorry. Good thing, isn't it? Yeah, like you wouldn't believe. It's awesome. There's guys with 10 years on the job that are still trying to give their left not to be in this unit. What was the phone call? I was in a shooting yesterday. What? It's oh all right. my god, what happened? You know, the guy uh, that I shot, who was trying to kill me, he died, and that was the hospital. Are you messing with me right now? No, I'm not messing with you. I just wanted to tell you, in case I'm a little distracted tonight, which I won't be because I'm totally fine, okay? Hey, look at me. I'm fine. It's all fine. Now, come, make me look pretty, let's go mingle. Adam, how can you be fine? I don't know. Just damn. All right. Well, listen, I need a drink. He just dumps it out all on her at that point. He's just <laughs> like, here's everything that's happening in my life. I just shot a guy. I've been working for intelligence. I have a part. Like, he's just like, here. He dropped a bomb on Wendy and is like, let's go back to the party. Not just one bomb, like three Multiples. bombs. Yeah. 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 And then he, she's like, he's like, yeah, so I just got a call. The guy died. But like, there's nothing to worry about. It's fine. And I'm fine. So yeah, I'm fine. So let's go get a drink. Meanwhile, like, you realize you just made Wendy not fine with what just happened, right? Okay. Yeah, honestly, if I were Wendy, I would be exactly in her spot. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be pissed that he dropped this on me in the middle of a party where I have to keep it cool. Yeah. Baby Ruzek. So much to learn. So much to learn. Yeah, I feel like all the maturing he's done has been for Kim. Yeah. This beautiful thing. But yeah. Well, not even just for Kim, but because of Kim's presence in his life. Yeah. Kim and Kevin. Mainly Kim, but also Kevin. I cannot wait to cover the episode when, like, he sees her across Molly's and, like, it's like the love at first sight just, like, happens. The fact that we're going to be able to cover, like, it, by the time we get through season one, like, the beginnings, all the beginnings of Berzik. Mm. It's going to be so good sweet little babies i know we're so good i love it anyway now let's talk about jay okay because jay's also got i forgot that this started this early twist i remember it being season you? one but i forgot it huh i said twist my arm why don't you oh <laughs> um yeah so as rusik's having the conversation with al about the engagement party and Ruzik's like oh today's the 21st Jay hears Ruzik mention that and he's like oh 
fuck, I forgot something. And then they try to ask him what he forgot, and Jay's like, nothing, doesn't matter. So then Jay, we get to see Jay. He's, like, all secretive over the phone. He's like, yeah, I'll pick something up for dinner. And that's really all you hear. So it's like, who is he talking to? Like, is it a girl? Like, who? Like at this point, we're like, who is he talking to? So then we see Jay show up at a house with food, and an older woman answers the door. And then, so they go in, and the woman takes the bags, and the husband is sitting, her husband, you know, presumably, is sitting there, and he walks out, even though, like, Jay can't stay. Um, And, you know, then the husband storms out, and there's, like, a cake sitting there, and Jay, the wife tries to give Jay a piece of the small cake, because he's, like, you know, otherwise we just make it every year, and then it just, like, will get thrown out. So, again, we're all still like, well, what the fuck is happening? Like what is this cake who are these people like what is happening so the wife gives jay the small piece of cake he walks back outside he starts leaning against his car he eats the cake and he starts looking at this other house and then we see this guy kind of creeping he opens up the curtain and he's like looking back at jay and then um it's kind of he's just staring at jay and then another cop comes up to jay and jay's just like shows him his badge he's like i'm i'm pd then the guy from the window and another older gentleman presumably this guy's dad come out of the house they're claiming that jay's harassing him and then jay just starts yelling he's like seven years ago today lonnie like seven years he would have been 15 and like jay just keeps yelling that but the cop other cops not going to do anything he's like look the guy's cpd like i i'm not doing anything and Jay's pissed and he but he does he's like you know what I'll leave he gets in his car but he just like I said he yells that a couple times um the seven years and, part I'm like Jay like how what seven years so yeah. did Jay like I guess the, in, in this instance maybe the timeline adds up because if Jay joined the army right out of high school and did like four years that would mean that he became a cop about 22 and then like maybe now he's about the same age as Aaron and he's like 29 I'm trying to think I'm like thinking about the math well and Lonnie's sister whose name I cannot remember right the second what's her name I forgot that he even has a sister well the girlfriend that's how Jay knows them because Jay was dating that girl at the time they were high school sweethearts remember no no i don't remember oh Allie, was that her name yes yes remember she was lonnie's sister yeah that's how they all know Allie corson corson however you say it that's how they even knew us this family so this wasn't even something that stemmed from him being a cop this is something that happened when he was in high school yeah well i don't know if it happened that's what i'm saying i don't know if it happened in high school but i know he was dating Allie in high school I thought I had it figured out, damn it. <laughs> well, and then also we have to remember, even though we're not there yet, Jay also gets married at some point in this yeah. seven years. Yeah. Which we'll get to that when we get to that, but like Yeah. But yeah, remember Lonnie was Allie, sis Allie was Lonnie's they were related and not Lonnie. The I remember Allie. I forgot the that. Ben, 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 Ben. That's the kid's name that died. Lonnie is the one who he was like. Lonnie's the one he it was the abuser. Rabbit. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Lonnie is the abuser, but Ben is the one that died, and that's Allie's brother. 
I remember Allie. I don't remember her being the sister. Yeah. Man. Now when did and now I'm like she has to come back soon too. She comes right? back soon. Because I feel yeah. like we only see her in season one. Now I'm like googling Allie Corson. Who even played her? Allie Carey. I don't know who that is. Um. Turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she definitely comes back in season. I'm I'm googling. Hold on a second. I will have an answer here very shortly. Allie Carey. Well, she hadn't done much. Oh, she's only done one episode of PD. So, episode 11. So, she'll be back shortly. Yeah, 11 is when Lonnie dies. That makes Not sense. Not Lonnie. But, uh, yeah. Lonnie. Is... What? Lonnie. Yeah, Ben is the brother that already died. Lonnie is the abuser. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Now Jay's I feel like Jay's timeline just made like even less sense. I thought I had it all figured out and then you had to go and blow it up. I feel like we'll eventually figure it out. Um like as this goes on. I feel like at least the alley part will make more sense. Um but yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> no. Anyway. I digress. And yeah, that's the end of Jay. Shitty stuff. Last up, we've got Kevin and Burgess. Love baby Burgewater. Well, the last of like, there's like a couple little things you got to make reference to after, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Kim basically starts the episode. She tries to sweet talk flat so that she won't interrupt the grand tour that she's going to give her flight attendant friends when they come to town. And so... Kim trades a badge with her, asks Kevin if, like, he can hook her up with a car. And then, of course, he's Kevin's like, well, you didn't say they were flight attendants. Like, I'll hook you up with a car. Like, a good one. You know, I'll make it happen. So her friends show up, and Kevin's just, like, waiting to be introduced. And it doesn't quite happen, so he, like, interjects himself in the conversation. And he's just like, oh, hey, I, I'm Kevin. Like, hey, trying to flirt. And so Kim tries to give them the tour, but she gets stuck dealing with a drunken disorderly because Platt just like takes the moment and seizes it and is just like, so you want the grand tour? Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. So then Kevin shows up to pick up Kim and her friends and she walks out and Kevin's like, oh, damn. And she just looks at him and she's like, if you post this on Facebook, I will end you. The Facebook comment too is like that's nobody would say that it'd be like oh if you post this on Instagram yeah, like or no. TikTok like it, the Facebook is like oh yeah that was definitely 2014 yeah definitely 2014 definitely so cute very very cute so yeah um there is a couple there's like there's a few other things happening in this episode which like okay I know I said earlier I didn't I never I've never lived like the one show life it's always been all three for me so I've never really had to worry about it but if I watched this episode by itself without knowing anything about the other two shows i would be hella confused yeah 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 it's i mean it's definitely hard like i definitely know when i watched because i watched it was at the time i had four seasons of fire three of pd and one of med when i first watched and i did all of fire then all of PD and then all of Med. And like, I feel like if I had really done it right and the way I would tell people now, if you truly want to watch all three, 
I would say like find whatever that order is that's on like Tumblr or whatever where it has like the mass you know of how you should watch it I I think you should watch it that way yeah if I told someone hey go watch it that would be how I tell them probably yeah so um if you were living the one show life and not watching all three at once uh Katie's missing Severide sister Katie so and this is when the shows aired on different nights isn't it yeah they aired on different nights the first season we were doing the podcast yeah they did we go back that far we go back that far yep yep so, so yeah so, yes they were definitely still airing on different nights at this point. and season one of pd is pre-med so i feel like i feel like fire was on tuesday and then like pd was on wednesday they were on like consecutive nights oh well, that i don't know but i know that they were definitely not airing the same night no so um yeah katie's missing and so there's a moment where voice just like hey aaron like you're working with that firefighter about his sister right and that's about that but then later it's like, on oh well it's like oh we take care of the you know other yeah. pe- you know the firefighters and it's like okay like all right cool story bro yeah cool okay so later on in the episode severide shows up at aaron's apartment and like he's just distraught because his sister's missing he just is like and he even says he's like i don't know where to go i don't know what to do and aaron just kind of grounds him and is like we're gonna find her we're gonna find her but if you've never it's seen just- either like other shows before you're like who the fuck is that guy yeah and who is katie and who is that like it's just like yeah when it's also just like crazy to me because i i I just i always forget that they try to make separate and aaron like a thing i'm like oh yeah they had to try i i respect it i get it i get why they did it because they are kind of similar it just didn't quite it didn't work no it did not work no they tried and it just it did not work you just you had linstead sitting right there it was just like we were just like get, get it over with yeah it's just well and i mean really if you think about it like how many like other like cro- i mean like they really all the cross couple sh- all the cross show couples did not work except for trudy and mouch but that's that well yeah except for trudy and mouch because they don't have to occupy like a ton of screen time but like if you're trying to like the reason bretonio worked is because they never really gave bretonio a lot like they were like oh yeah bretonio and it's like you can't just keep coming in and out like that like that's not if we make it to the end of two we get to talk about brett and roman (laughs) oh my god oh that was a horrible mistake but that's end of that's end of pd2 right or is it the end of fire three which episode does it happen on what show you're right hold on hold on because yeah the timeline's the same but if it's end of fire season three then we have obviously a lot longer to go you might be right. It might be end of fire. It might be. But we're probably going to get there. That's crazy. Jesus Christ. I know. The fact that we could pretend. Well, I don't know if we'll get that far. Hopefully, God forbid. But we very well could. I mean, think about it. If if the shows aren't coming back to like the end of, you know, 24. 52 weeks. We probably could get through. I feel like we're going to get through two seasons. If you said it's like they're not coming back till like this time next year. So that's 52 weeks. So I feel like we could get through two seasons roughly. Which would pretty much almost catch us up completely on Med, right? On Med, yeah. Med only had two seasons before we started. We would be totally caught up. And then we neither one of those seasons. Every episode of Med. And neither one of those seasons are 22 episodes. No. 
They're both like 18. I think season two of Med is like 18 episodes or 20, maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> We're going to hit Med so fast. It's crazy. Oh God. Okay. So that's about it for this yeah. week. Or well, no, not for this no. week. That's about it for part one of this week. This episode. That's the end of this episode. Yeah, because you're gonna hear from us again on Friday. So we're just bookending your week. We want to make sure you started right and end it right. What? No shame yeah. not. Uh yeah. So as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Although I haven't touched our TikTok in a while. But it's me to You finally remember the password. I don't want to. You finally got back into the TikTok. Brianna calling me out here. Yeah, no, I did. I I forgot the password for a little bit. Don't judge me. Yeah. So it's me to Somalis right across the board. Um, Check out our T Public page. Check out our Patreon group. We have so much fun in there. And we're we're kind of keeping each other afloat while the strike's going on. So one of us will pop in the group chat and be like, I miss this person. And then we just kind of all piggyback on it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I think I'm trying to think if I'm like missing anything. Um, follow us individually on Twitter, please. We love friends and we're bored because there's no one in Chicago. So I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. You guys have a great week and we will see you on Friday. Bye. <laughs>